Blog Talk Radio. This is MMA Fight Music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Cage Side Submission with Steve Reichel and Rachel Blaze. I call to all, you know it's fucking rockets and I bust it through the door, break it through the ceiling and I'm opening up the floor, make you split your head when you bang against the wall, blaze and full fury from a sight unseen, flipping on the podcast, intro time three, throwing up a jump for a greedy frenzy, it's a talking fest of waters of this every time that lay the smack down, lay it on your back now, focus on that moment when you bash it into round town, competition tries to stay up for the last round, but we still a finish and we soaking up the live crowd, Turn it up loud, and make us all proud. Anyone who brought up, yeah, we leave them all up in the ground. Down low, cause it's hanging all up in the cloud. Hey, slice of mission, gonna hit you like plow, like plow. So listen up, put it like two hours, two hours. MMA, MMA, way more than power. Back up your seat, turn up the volume. You lacking this, I don't like game, and I just solved your problem. Oh, yeah. We we see each other every year. (laughs) 
preseason means nothing. My husband's like, oh, we got to watch the Jets. we got to watch the Jets, like, the past couple of weeks. I'm like, who cares? It's preseason. Well, like, no, it doesn't actually, matter. He's right. The, fir- the, fir- the first two games are the ones that matter to the, the first stringers. The last two game, the last two preseason games is literally about who's fighting for those last two spots. So yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I guess, get, but... I get that part of it, but also look what look what happened to your boys today. You trade Teddy Bridgewater for a pick. Come on, man, that's, that's I know. highway robbery. I know. That's, yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh my god. But then, like for the Jets for their third preseason game, they always play the Giants. So like, of course, that's like a big thing because I have like a bunch of friends that are Giants fans. So like, we always get together and it's like we like decide like whoever wins at half, whoever's winning at halftime basically won because like after halftime it doesn't matter. So it's like that one we have interest in, but the rest of them like I, I kind of wish it would do away with preseason. Honestly, I'm like I'm one of those people. I was like, what's the point? Like, just start the freaking season already. Like, Nicole, remember you remember when the preseason was like freaking six games? Not really. I mean, what was that? It's <laughs> probably too young. I mean, it was it was back in back in the you know in the seventies and stuff. Well, then no, I don't remember that because I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's uh you know kind of get the uh, MMA side of things started. You know, we're, uh, another mm-hmm. week, uh, no UFC. I love it. We got uh. We got PFL tomorrow night. You got Invicta fights coming up. Um, what was it? Uh, Cage Warriors ha- has an event as well. But as per usual with the MMA world, we are not short on topics tonight. This week, yeah. the verbal sparring match goes to <laughs> Nate Diaz and Bruce Buffer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you catch this, though? Did you catch this? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Oh my gosh! It was, but it was like kind of polite in a way. Like I don't know, he was like, no, you know, like uh, Nate Diaz like goes off like he does, but then he's like, uh, no offense or something like that. <laughs> like what's no, I don't even get. He goes off with two point? separate tweets, and then and then and then, he, and yeah. then the last tweet, with all due respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, Nate. <laughs> but in a sense. Dude, where does Buffer get off sitting there telling him he needs to bow to Dana White? I'm sorry. As much as I, lo- I, I you know, I have the utmost respect for Bruce Buffer, he's a freaking ring announcer. He's not nothing more than that. I mean, uh, someone was telling me they read his book, and his freaking book was basically just all about him. Talking like his favorite UFC moment was some, doing some stupid spin in the freaking case. Like, what? That's your favorite. He thinks moment. highly of himself and for sure. All yeah. the stuff you've been in there, you, you spinning the like, come on, man. This guy's sitting there <laughs> telling Nate he needs a bow to Dana. No one should bow to Dana White. Is he freaking like some some foreign? But they all do. That That's the about? thing. Like a lot of people do bow to Dana White. So it's like you know, kind of you kind of have to in a way. Like that, you want to get what you want, but I don't agree that you should have to. No. Yeah, I'm. It, I'm not. It becomes to the point where he's almost come on, necessary man. if you but want to get before, anything. Before he made he, but before Nate Diaz is smart, man. Before he made the deal uh, to to step in on late notice for Connor, he had Dana White. Uh, they met somewhere, and he they have, they have that video of him pimp smacking Dana. Come on, you can't you can't <laughs> tell me that that everyone needs to sit there in total line with this man. It, it, does it do a lot more to go along in the future? Absolutely, but you don't have to, you know. Uh, Sacrifice who you are as a person to to go and bow to this guy. I mean, like, is he is he one of the the, the more powerful MMA promoters in 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 in, in, uh, in mixed martial arts? Absolutely. But 
to sit there and say you need to battle someone, I, I, I can't wrap my head around that one, Nikki. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a sad kind of situation where it's like certain fighters probably do have to like bow day in a way. You know, if you don't have enough uh, popularity in yourself or like fans, Nate Diaz has plenty of fans. People want to see him fight. People love him. So he, he doesn't have to, but like you could see other fighters that, you know, if they don't bow down, then they're gone. Like you saw with, um, Yair, like he, he, they said he was trying to pick and choose his fights and they let him go. They gave him like a little, you know, of course they took him back, but like, you know, they gave him a warning and you know, some, some people might be scared of that. And it's sad. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, like a, I don't even know what the word, like a, I don't know, just sad that Dana has this power. <laughs> You're trying to find the correct word. Like here what's the word? Like, I don't uh, even know. Like <laughs> dictatorship. I don't even know. Yeah, I mean that's that's how a lot of people see it. You know what I mean? It is. Mm-hmm. It's how people see it, regardless of you know how how the fans feel about it or, or whatever. It's just how pe- how people see it that you know that's why they they've but, you know he's butted heads with a lot of the the bigger stars in the early time in, in the UFC, and everyone's like, well, why can't they just do this or that? We've always asked questions. Like even when I was just on the fan side of things, it was like you know how, how can this happen but then as you go along you know with uh you know and, and grow up in the sport and then eventually like as me and you go and turn around and, and get involved in the media you start to kind of understand things and figure out where the pieces go and you know start putting things together on your own yeah it's, it's kind of like a game you have to learn how to play the game <laughs> Play the game, really? Are we throwing yeah. wrestling quotes out there now? <laughs> Time to play the game. Play the game. Um, but we also had fights last weekend, and oh my gosh, do we have to talk about mm-hmm. the main event? I mean, I, oh, yeah. a lot of us kind of felt like, oh man, Justin's Justin's in a lot of trouble. James is, you know, he's got good footwork, he's got the range. You know, uh, his style of fight, I just uh, d- didn't look good. And I don't think people really realize how Justin accomplished putting James away like that. He did it with with cage presence and footwork to set up that shot. James was trying to just kind of, you know, do the, the kind of lean out of the way, and he ran out of cage and didn't have nowhere to go, and Justin put it right on his chin, and that was the end of it. And... There's nothing you can say about it. We say it all the time, man. Sometimes it's a matter of inches in in this sport that means the most, and we've seen it prime example up front row and center uh, uh, last weekend. Did you see that too, or or, the, or was I the only one that seen that? And that was a scary knockout. <laughs> I was I had to like watch it a couple of times. I was like, oh my god! But you know what it is like Justin Gaethje like when he's in the cage, he kind of looks like a wild man. Like he looks like he's just like kind of like you know going crazy, just stepping forward and like going straight with his face. But he knows what he's doing, and he he went in there and he executed it perfectly. Caught James Vick. Vick had no idea where he was. You know, like for several. Um, for several minutes, uh, yeah. They didn't, like, show, it, they didn't show it live, they but... Did, <laughs> no, I saw, like, ahead, when Gaethje went over to, like, say, like, oh, you know, like, you know, they went to, like, slap hands afterwards, like, James Vick continued to try and take him down. And that was, like, five <laughs> minutes later. I was like, I saw that. They cut away from it real fast, but I was like, oh, my God, this dude still has no idea. The fight is over. 
It's crazy. <laughs> but that just tells you, like, like people underestimate those shots sometimes, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, like, like you have people sitting there telling you the fight's over, multiple people telling you the fight's over, and you see the guy and it just immediately goes right back into the yeah. fight or flight mood. <laughs> like, you've, we've seen, like, a bunch of times, like, fighters try and, like, tackle the ref and everything like that, but this was, like, a good oh, yeah, while seen the ref he, just, he just saw Geechee again, which is like, nope, fight's still on, like, let's keep going. So it's like, oh, my God, he has no idea. It's scary, but oh, I hope he's okay. But I got now. I now now you know I'm 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 biased when it comes to this. But what did you think of Felder uh, uh, that night? Uh, you know, a lot of people were like, uh, uh, you know, up and down with him about misenunciations of freaking names or sitting there grinding on this guy about that. But when he literally had the chance to kind of put himself in the spotlight, he literally faded away from that. Literally, Gagey was like, "Wait, wait, wait! Didn't you say you want to fight me, Paul?" Oh wait, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll fight whoever. Mm-hmm. But it's just one it's of those like things. A, it's like a I think situation, it's, though, you have to like yeah, be professional because yeah. you're there as like a you know you're there for the to interview them, not really to like start drama. So it's like kind of like conflict of interest, I well, guess. I don't know. Well, I don't, yeah, think, I don't know. Paul's if not the, uh, the 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 drama starting type thing. I mean, I mean, maybe if you get him in a bar with with a whole bunch of beers, and you you might you might see that side come out or something like that if someone <laughs> says the wrong maybe. thing. So, but he's but uh, he's not even like when it comes to you know trying to get fights or whatever he's not that one that kind of you know throws the jab there he's kind of he'll be the one that that will return fire but he's not the one that 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 would be starting drama but uh I got to say I think say, he kind of missed an yeah. opportunity though too like cuz now you see yeah, I don't know if you've seen Justin really Gaethje look the way it lays out and but if you look at the way it lays out Mickey if you look at the way it lays out it's you know by the time Paul's arm healed Everything is still going to be in a weird spot in in that division, where Justin still may not be able to fight. So if Paul gets cleared and they can sign a fight within the next three weeks, that fight could happen. Yeah, but now it's but, like so much is going on in that division now, and it's like Gaethje and uh, Ally Quinta and Kevin Lee are like all going back and forth on you know on social media and stuff. Like Paul Felder could have got himself in Ally there. Ally Quinton shouldn't point. be in that conversation. I'm sorry, Ally Quinton should I not mean, be in that conversation. I mean, he just fought for the title, did he not? <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, what he fell into a title <laughs> shot? Oh yes, oh that's right. Could have been Felder in a title shot, fight. You know? Where was he dominant in that title fight? No, Khabib was toying with him. Come on. He's one of these guys. He's one of these guys I like. You know, I'm not going to sit there and act like I don't. But I mean, really, I, I, it, it's it's either it's either in my eyes, it's either Lee, which might be a little bit bit too early for him to have that fight. May, maybe get gets another win under his belt before he gets that that top five guy. I mean, uh, somebody mentioned Edson Barbosa is looking for a fight, right? That would be yeah, a freaking fun fight. <laughs> that would be a fun fight. Yeah. Now, I mean, um, you, you, have, know, you have Connor uh, already hooked up with Khabib, and you have Tony Ferguson now hooked up with Anthony Pettis. So it's like that that fight's pretty much going to be the next contender fight. You know, unless unless Connor wins, then they'll put Khabib up against him again or something like that. You know, like stuff will happen like that. But in if you lay it out on paper, it's basically like Anthony Pettis. Tony Ferguson is lined up to be the next contender fight. So it's like these three guys, say Justin, um, Ally Quinta, and Kevin Lee, are like kind of like 
they got to float around for a little bit and, like, fight somebody in the meantime. Like, you can't just stand around at this point. You need to fight somebody, get your name yeah. in there, maybe get, a you know, an amazing finish, and then maybe you can jump ahead and fight Tony Ferguson again or something. Like, you know, something. Somebody's got to jump in there. It's yeah, not a waiting around I mean, type situation. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. We've seen some crazy stuff. uh unfold with the UFC, you know, over the last handful of years. So, who knows? You know, maybe there's some wild card. We 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 don't we don't know. Is it gonna gonna hop in here or whatever? But um, you know, maybe Justin Connor Gage, wins he, goes think, play some ice God. hockey or something crazy. You know, like you never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> play ice hockey. Really? How, how many? Uh, is there a big like uh, you know um, Irish contingency of, of of hockey fans that I don't know about? Maybe those ballet dancers. Who knows? Yeah, like, they possible, right? pretty much do whatever. <laughs> um, Brian, Brian Barberino and Jake Ellenberger. The only reason I mentioned it for for obvious reason, Barberino gets the clean sweep of the of the Ellenbergers and. Jake Ellenberger uh, retires there in, in his home state, and uh, you know, uh, great career. You know, couldn't uh, you know was at one point in time you know one of the the, the, the dangerous guys in this welterweight division was arguably t- uh, you know a top five contender. Um, what are your what is your you know uh, moment of of the uh, Jake Ellenberger career that kind of stuck out to you? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I liked his whole career. I feel like props on him for walking away when he did. Like, you know, that was you see you see fighters that try and stay too long. I feel like he he wanted to walk away on a win. I, I know they talked to him afterwards and he said like retiring wasn't in his thought of mind when he came into um when he came into the ring or whatever, but like he he probably had in the back of his mind because he's like only won like two in his last like well, 10 or something like that i don't know it's like going way okay, back okay let's, let's take a look uh barbarina lost sanders lost mike perry lost mastival lost and every single one of them was a stoppage have the body the uh body kick and punches uh stoppage of matt brown back at at 201 then tradik safferdine lost Stephen Thompson lost. Koscheck win. Lost to Gassum. Lost to Lawler. Lost to Roy McDonald. I mean, it's just. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. So what's that one? Two, ten losses sandwiched yeah, like between 10. two wins. Ten yeah. losses sandwiched between two wins. That is. He uh, yeah, it definitely was time. I mean, I'm not one to sit yeah. there and say it, but damn. That's crazy. I, I didn't. I didn't really notice that until I sat there and looked at his Wikipedia. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. I always kind of wish every fighter could walk away on a win, like just this, like storybook ending yeah, type thing. But I like, it, you it, it know, a, a win. You know, somewhere somewhere close to home, you, you get to hang it up. I think they should be. I mean, that's the only thing that sucks about you know. You could do that stuff with pro wrestling, but you can't do that with MMA, where you can send yeah, them out on a win. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that for us, we can't do that. I mean, you could. You could just get, give them a freaking tomato can or whatever. You know, we've seen it happen on the regional scene plenty of times. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but I mean, it was uh, it, you know, but, you know, Jake was always fun to watch. Win, lose, or draw. 
you know, you know, we're, you know, yes, he did, he, he did have, you know, it was basically ten losses to two wins in his last twelve outings, but I mean, they were fun fights to watch, so, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, some of them, you know, it sucked. He he was getting caught with these first round stoppages, but I mean, you don't do sometimes. It's just the way it goes. Mm, yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the way it goes. That. No. Yeah. Um. Oh, I mean, uh, before we uh, before we move on here, got got it, got to uh, talk about our 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 boy Eric Anders and, and the Tim Williams fight. That was was good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, t- yeah. Tim looked Tim looked good early. You know, he had uh, he was frustrating Eric. He wasn't able to, to get his shots off. He was getting the takedowns, and you know uh, that that third round was just brutal. And he wants up. Uh, he winds up getting that 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 big uh head, that that big kick as as Tim was getting up off the ground. A lot of people yeah, were like, that was, was close. That, was that, was he like super close, like almost to the point so where close. you might have been able to say, like, can we get instant replay on that because that that was it was that close. I went back and looked at it, like um like his hand know, stop, I kept up. like stopping play, stopping play. In like from one angle, it looked like he was picking his hand up. Like his hand was up when he got kicked, but also from another angle, it looked like the kick itself made his hand go up. So it was like it was so close. I'm not gonna say like one way or the other, which it definitely was, but like from different angles, it looked like it could have been illegal. Could have been legal. I don't know. I, very I, very I, close. And it sucks because I I love both of these guys, Tim Tim and Eric. Yeah, I is why I, I didn't I didn't want to interview either one of them coming on because I just got massive respect for both of them. Got got made love for both of them. So you know you know. Big win for Eric. We uh, we'll be hearing from him shortly, people. <laughs> yeah. Um, another big win for James Krause. Um, another uh, another win for Mickey Gall. Not surprised. Take takes takes Sully down and and, and gets the submission. Um, Joanna Calderwood get, gets uh, gets back get is uh, continuing back on, on her win. Uh, back yeah, on her I winning. Feel like that, yeah, I mean that was very impressive of her. And no one's talking about that. You look all over, all over social media. Everyone's talking about everything else that happened earlier in the card, and it's just totally forgetting about this performance by Joanne Calderwood. Like since she's moved in to, you know, you know, moved into that flyweight division, she's been having a lot of success. I think she, I think she's like like two and one or like three times out. I think she lost her day she, but one. She changed camps too and everything, and you know she. Yeah. She said. I think she, either she said it after the fight or the next day. I don't know. But she was like, I know what people have been doing to me. They've been trying to take me down and keep me down. So I've been working on my jiu-jitsu, and it showed. Like, she, the way she was able to, like, grab a hold of that arm and flip over, I was like, I really didn't think she was going to get out of it at first. I was like, man, it'll go to the next round, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I was like, oh, my. <laughs> like, I, you know, slow clap there. Like, good job. Like, that was very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, the the one me with the, with the weirdo dude with the hair with his mouth wide open doing the slow clap. Is yeah. that what you were doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yes. like, oh my. Oh um, yeah. What else do we have this past weekend? Bare knuckle boxing. Um, knuckle I still got to start. Yeah, I, I, had, I didn't watch I it. Loved the, I, you know, I love Dave Feldman. I didn't watch it either, but I've heard a lot of complaints. I heard a lot of complaints. Complaints um, about it, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt because I, I've already said that it, as it is right now that that 
the vast majority of, of MMA fans are just vile, have not a, a single cognitive thought in their brain. They're just mindless freaking goats and sheep. <laughs> but oh yeah, uh, um, you got you have to question the, this matchmaker, man. How do you book? Two fighters that had medical suspensions in other states costing two of your athletes fights. You cannot do that when you're just starting off, and this is technically a new sport. You can't do that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things where 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 you, you you find another opponent. You don't sit there and say, hey, or, or, or one of these fighters that does one of these things like, oh, I'm going to fight. I have a fight like three weeks before the event, but I should be good to go either way. You can't book these people, man. We've seen it. How many times on the regional scene you just cannot do that? Then the other side of that was um, um, there was was dark matches because of the limited pay-per-view time and because they didn't want to compete with with Fight Night for whatever reason. Oh, my gosh. And one of them is one of the guys who, who's, you know, I would have to say one of their, one of their big guys that, that's been pushing them is uh, Tony Kryptonite Lopez. How do, you know, how do you dark match that guy? Mm, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's I mean, lot of things to work out, I guess. Yeah, like I said, I was literally about to say. I mean, it's still a learning process, but I mean, these are just no, no. You can't do this. You know, you you want to be this. This big new thing, and ha- I've even seen freaking even some of the journalists are sitting there saying that they're getting unwanted coverage from all these media sites that they're actually pay doing pay for play scenarios with some of these sites to get their the stuff out here. So I mean I don't know what's going on. I'm not gonna freaking I'm not behind the scenes. I don't know if that's happening or not. So whatever, man. Everyone's gonna gonna try to throw shade whatever they're gonna do. It is what it is, right? Yep. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> but um, I think that's our boy already sitting there. Wait, wait for us to get him on there. Look at that. Right. I love that. Yo, Lee. Hey there, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, Lee? What's that? How's it, how you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. How are you both? Good. Uh, I'm good. You know, we were we were just we were just uh, BS and talking some MMA. Um, I guess as we're already going to start, we're, we're going to get started on the interview. I was going to bring one last thing that kind of will we'll kind of tie us in and start us off on 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 the, uh, the 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 book that 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 you're authoring and and all that. Um, the announcement came today that is official in December in California. We're going to see Tito Ortiz and uh, Chuck Liddell again. Yeah, November. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I've already stated my disdain for this fight as, as much as I got love for both of these guys. Lee, what do you think, think man? Should, should, should these guys be even getting sanctioned at this point in time, especially Chuck? Uh, you know, I, I think at this point, like, guys who were sort of big and, and, and memorable back when I was a teenager, and, and I'm 33 years old now, and if they're still fighting, I just um, – I, I, look – Here's the key thing, as well as everything else. You know, what do we learn through these fights? You know, we don't learn a whole lot. You know, we just uh, we see people that are in a decline and and uh, who really, you know, uh, have not fought for a long time. Particularly in Chuck's case, um, what is it? Maybe ten. I can't remember how long it is since he's fought. 
And I think sure. that that traditional like bit of like you know the intrigue we have as fight fans for me it just goes out the window with these fights because I I don't a I don't I don't really care who wins and and b like there's no real way of of having a legitimate contest because the chances are just one guy has declined so far that whoever hits one lucky punch that's it you know it's over so. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree. I, I, it's not really a fight I'm, I'm stoked on seeing, you know, uh, Vanderlei uh, versus Rampage. And, and, and both those guys are a little bit younger even than, than Chuck and, and, and Tito are. You know, that's not a fight I'm particularly keen on seeing either. So, you know, it's just, uh, it is what it is. You know, it just, I think as long as there's an interest, these things will happen. But, you know, I mean, we'll see. I think the interest level in this one is going to be interesting because I think Bellator, if you see it, if you look at the interest levels, they tend to be higher for the fights with the likes of Roy McDonald or, or Ryan Bader or some of the guys they have that are within their prime now, uh, rather than the rather than the old Pride fighters or the old UFC fighters. So the proof is in the pudding in this one. I think they'll get some publicity, obviously, but but let's see just what kind of a buy rate they get because I, I, I maybe I trust MMA fans a bit more. I'm not sure it's going to be as big as I think it is. I think that the, the build up to it is is what people really are more interested in. Like you know, like if they are two huge names brings people back to like their youth you know like used to watch them fight and everything like that so it's like kind of like nostalgia and like the lead up to the fight it's probably more exciting than the fight will be honestly but you know it's like kind of like it's that feeling of like oh my god it's like a blast from the past happening again that's what's like bringing people to the fight more than just like actually the action because it's probably not going to be that great <laughs> But you know, you know, speaking of uh, of history and and nostalgia and stuff like that. So, Lee, how did this whole thing come about? You know, you're you're, you're authoring uh, the, this this book uh, called Before Fall: The History of Pride FC. How did this whole thing come come to fruition? So, um, yeah, I mean, really, I kind of it all started when I became kind of an MMA fan um, back when I was a teenager, and Pride was one of the first sort of uh, solid bits of MMA action I was ever able to get my hands on. Uh, this is in the days of the old VHS tapes, if anybody remembers those. Um, and, and oh, you know, yeah, from, I'm old enough. <laughs> 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 um, so I ordered a tape from, from the UK, actually, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was actually the tape I got was the um, uh, Grand Prix that in, from 2000. Um, so I was just enthralled by the the whole by the action and, and particularly by Hoyts versus Sakuraba, that hour and a half fight. So that kind of started, I think, my my love affair with um, with, with mixed martial arts and the pride in particular. Uh, given you know for for a long time it was it was a premier mixed martial arts promotion in the world. I don't think there's any question about that. And for me, you know, it just came down to I just kept seeing look nobody's doing a book on this. Uh, this is a very historic promotion and it's a very important promotion to mixed martial arts. So at a certain point, uh, you know, and I've, I've written in sports before. I said it just sort of tried to talk about myself. And I self-published a book. Uh, you can fund the uh, Indiegogo at uh, beforefallbook.com. I get you the book a little bit earlier than anybody else, as well as an exclusive uh, version of the book. Um, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's that's kind of where it's all come about and all come to fruition. And the book's going to be out now uh, late December, early October. So you hear that, people? Get your Christmas list ready. <laughs> Make sure you you grab this, man, because I mean, for a lot of us diehards, I'm sure uh, I'm sure a lot of us are, are chomping at the bit 
some of us are, are fairly new to MMA, like like Nicole. So this is the, this is kind of a learning experience for us. This is a little you know uh, a little strange element in, in, into it for us. So she she she's not she's not as as, as up it as it as I am on it. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, I definitely think she's going to be looking forward to when this comes out. Yeah, I am. Awesome. Now, um, uh, Lee, like, uh, like, what, what were some of the the the, the unique uh, experiences that you were uh, uh, involved in putting this book in? Like, obviously, you know, you had to sit down with with with, with some of the not just the legendary fighters, but you know, the, the people also behind the scenes with with uh, with pride. Like, so, what was what was something that that was just a part of this bookmaking process that was just kind of a, a special moment that you're not going to forget. Yeah, I think I think talking to somebody like Buster Eaton or Stephen Quadro, who obviously, you know, I I admire a lot, you know, and uh, finding out that they just really are great guys, you know, and um, that was just a really, you know, really humbling experience for me, and, and I really appreciate being able to do that. Also being able to kind of interview some of the maybe the, the lesser-known names or the, the more the more interesting interview subjects um, because the book is really a history of how Pride came to be and it, it covers some of the events even before Pride in a lot of detail. Uh, so somebody I spoke to uh, last night actually was um, uh, Kim Gracie. Uh, Kim is Dixon Gracie's ex-wife but was also his business manager for a lot of the time period and, and she was really able to give good insight into um, uh, you know the creation of the first Pride and, and all that kind of thing. So as a fan, I think uh, that was the interesting stuff for me was just what I hadn't known before and, and uh, seeing some of the details that came about, you know, kind of from behind the scenes, how things came together, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was really it for me. It was, it was, and it was a great interesting experience to, to do that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine it because, like, you know, just some of the, you know, I mean, a lot of, lot of fans have already heard a lot of, a lot of the, the crazy, you know, goofy, quirky stories. Are are you going to be able to shed some? You know, obviously with with uh, with you know mentioning Kim Gracie just now. Is there is there some more you know of these stories that 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 fans are going to be able to find uh, in your book? Yeah, uh, one of the interesting stories actually was was even a little bit of detail because I managed to to do a bit of digging. There was, there's some pretty great articles already in Pride, but obviously there's no comprehensive book just yet, but. One of the interesting things was um, uh, the uh, Sakata and Mark Coleman fight, which I think it's pretty widely perceived and, and probably pretty much a matter of the record that, you know, um, there, there, there was maybe something not on the level about that fight. Um, Boss Rudin sort of was able to tell me that um, he actually received a fact that basically said the fight would be a work, you know, uh, and that he looked to, uh, to, the, to the actual um, the event itself. And, that's something he talked about a bit before in Joe Rogan. So uh, the, the rumor has to... finally been confirmed, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think Mark Mark has said a very said words in the past to the effect that it kind of somewhat confirming it. But yeah, I think it's it's you know it, it's pretty likely, and that that detail from Boss I think is, is pretty interesting. So now, yeah, it's just stuff like that. Now here's something that I've always kind of felt like you know I've always like everyone's kind of always put. Fedor on this freaking pedestal up here that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. But now, hearing something like that, knowing that, that this type of stuff was going on, regardless if it was going on in his fights or not, do you feel some of these guys' legacies are somewhat murky now because of that? Some guys that, that 
specifically made their made the the bulk of their legacy, their fighting career in Pride. I think what you should look to, I think more so above kind of whether a specific fight was fixed or not, I think stuff like the, the drug testing regime, uh, I think that's something that maybe you'd, you'd sort of want to consider, I think, in a little more detail because, you know, um, and, and there's details on this in, in the book um, from, from Frank Craig, you know, the, the fact that people change from having no uh, drug testing, basically, to a much more stringent drug testing regime under under the UFC and the fact that so many guys didn't do as well, that does tell you something. Um, in terms of fights being on the level, you know, there's so much subtlety as to how you can um, position things. And for instance, one of the things that was done very consistently in Pride was uh, one guy was given an opponent maybe six weeks out and started training for him, but his opponent would actually only be told who he was fighting two weeks out. So there was definitely um, some favoritism there. I can't speak specifically to whether Fedor or anybody else was kind of particularly. Uh, oh no, I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that. I'm just saying your, opinion, opinion, your personal your, your your personal opinion just from what what you've seen and everything that that literally you just said from performance enhancing drugs to how, how they did it, you know after leaving Pride, etc. Yeah, look, I mean, I think um, you know, I, I think some of those achievements are still there, and I think that they're still significant. You know, particularly against fighters who. Uh, you know, ha- had already made a name for themselves. So, for instance, fights against Nogueira or Krokop, you know, which which he he did win in pretty dominant fashion. And, and these were guys who were stars, and you know, uh, were probably given you know pretty decent pre- treatment by by Pride itself. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that you know he he still had some pretty pretty great achievements. So, yeah, look, it, it's hard to know, and I think it, it's all a matter of historical record and also of opinion because it is. It is fun to debate these things, and I think once you're armed with some more of the facts and, and some more of the uh, historical context, and, and that's ultimately what the book is about giving, is it is about giving historical context. Uh, fight fans are in a better position to judge, you know, who's greatest or, or what have you, you know. Well, I mean, I think as far as we get further removed from it, yes, we're going to be able to kind of be able to, to debate these type of things a little bit more at length because we're going to have more mm-hmm. information to work with with, when we were probably talking, you know, when the UFC had the pride merger, if somebody was having the, having these questions and concerns, everyone would be like, huh, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Have you tried to talk to anybody and they were like, no, no, I'm not talking to you? Like they had like something to hide, you think? Or they're just like not interested at all to like get involved? You know what? I, I received very few refusals. Um, I, I just received kind of no communication from people that weren't that interested, I think. Um, you know, and, and actually in a lot of cases, a lot of my fights, you know, Crow Cop uh, had a fight when I, when I tried to interview him, uh, as did, you know, Fader of Honorlay, uh, you know, a lot of other, a lot of other fighters. So, um, yeah, I just kind of heard a very discreet um, silence, I think, from, from the people that weren't interested in talking. Uh, and in some cases, look, I think it would have been great to talk to them, but also there was some some injuries they've already gotten that, that I was able to kind of look at and to um, to, 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 to to draw on to the books. So I'm pretty confident it, it, it adds quite a lot of new stuff into the uh, into the historical record, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, th- there was a lot of fun stuff that happened outside of the 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 negative side of of some of the stuff that went on with Pride, like. Uh, the, uh, the 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 Sakuraba fight with, with, with Henzo where he freaking snaps his freaking his shoulder in half is 
I mean, I think that's probably one of the mo- more memorable submissions of uh, in, in MMA, MMA history. Period. Mm, yeah, uh, and, and you know, and, and so much of that is interesting from a, from a very philosophical perspective. Like Tenzo was said, um, you know, that he was really grateful to Sakuraba because you know it got told him where he could take his body, and you know he could he could take his body to that extreme point, you know. Um, and Hento, Hento deserves a lot of credit for that fight for, for a few reasons. One is he probably would have won, I think, if it had been under a modern scoring system. I think maybe Japanese judges might have um, cured a little bit toward, more towards Sakuraba. Um, but the other reason he deserves it is he, he was a very good sport, you know. he, um, I think for the fight against Hoyler and the fight against Pyan, um, both of them sort of complained a little bit about injuries and, and so forth when they were beating Sakuraba. Uh, Hoist couldn't walk, you know. Uh, Hoist, I think, was incredibly brave, but but you know wasn't able to maintain a, a sort of, you know, a certain a certain amount of kind of um, maybe dignity, I would say, in in losing. Like I think he was still a real success to be, and people admired for that. But Henzo, you know, Henzo was smiling, and Henzo was congratulating Sakuraba, and um, you know the fight was under normal pride rules as well. So. Henzo deserves a tremendous amount of credit, I think, for that because he was he did incredibly well against Sakuraba, the best of any of the Gracies, and and maybe um, you know the bounce of the ball had gone the other way, um, you know he may well have won. Now you never know, man. It, you know, crazier things have happened in in, in mixed martial arts. For sure. <laughs> now, um. Now you said you were doing the indigo. How how far along are you with that? Do you, do you still have some time to to do that, or 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 is, or is it everything done done and, and situated by now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's got nine days to go. So Indiegogo, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of a Kickstarter like website. Um, the reason why I've I've done it, um, the reason why it's up now with beforeifallbook.com, is uh, just to give a chance that people to get a unique. A unique kind of um, uh, you know thing that, that that's not going to be repeated. It also you know I really want to kind of make sure that I, I do right by some of the people that have helped out. Uh, a big part of the book's project or a big part of the project is um, uh, a guy called John Sheehan who does illustrations in the book. Uh, John works with mm-hmm. um, you know really really big European soccer teams. He works with uh, kind of big sports networks here doing illustrations. And uh, his work is really great. You can see it up on the up on the Indiegogo, and um, yeah, it's 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 about paying him. It's about printing off an initial run of books to to give people something special, and and making sure that you know that the project can get out there. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of why I'm really appealing to people to to go to beforeandfallbook.com and and um, you know give give what they can, uh, and obviously they get back an awesome book in return. So yeah, that's that's kind of what it's all about, you know. I mean, you you, you 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 can't get everything done by yourself anymore. You ha- you have to you have to do some type of crowdfunding. You have to have somebody somebody in your corners. And a lot of times, you're seeing a lot of people do the 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 the, uh, the, the indigo. You know, uh, we just had um, what was it? Elias uh, Elias uh, movie was indigo as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mickey? Yep. Yeah. Yes, he was. So like. Elias Cedro is do, do, doing a movie, and they were, they were going through that as well. So, I mean, it's not just guys like you. It's, it's, it's you know, people from, from all walks of life are, are use stuff like that. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully uh, you're able to, to, to hit the goal that you need to do to, to take care of the people who, who help make this book happen for you. Yeah, and, and it is an all-or-nothing target, 
Um, I, I decided to set it that way because there's a certain amount of, of, of money that's there and it's stuff that just needs to get done. Um, so I'd really appreciate if people could do it. There is a chance to maybe uh, extend the deadline a little bit, but I, I, I don't really want to do that. So, yeah, it, it's nine days. You know, people could, could um, go and donate and, uh, you know, uh, like, share, subscribe, do all that as well, you know. Hmm? How, how far are you away now from the goal? So we've hit the we've just hit the forty percent mark today uh, with nine days to go. So I'm not mega worried because these things do pick up towards the end. But obviously, you know, I, I do kind of need need a bit of help too. Hey man, well anything anything we could do to sh- to, to shed some light on this to, to help you out, Def- definitely. Uh, we're definitely down for that. Um, Super. Now. Um, you know, you said uh, you you talked to the boss while doing this, and that that was the kind of kind of one of the one of the things. Who else is uh is uh is kind of an interviewee that that people might might not uh might be intrigued to hear their takes on 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 the the, the history of Pride when when uh, getting this book. Uh, so I think Frank Shamrock is a pretty interesting uh, interviewee because uh, of kind of more of what didn't happen because he was. Interest in coming into Fight Sakuraba, which I think would have been a really interesting one, and one of the biggest American names versus you know the biggest uh, Japanese name. I think that would have been a really awesome fight. Uh, and he also talked a little bit about Pankras, uh, which is the one of the early mixed martial arts promotions in Japan, uh, something which Boss talked about too. And um, yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting interview from that perspective. Uh, also, uh, Eric Paulson. Um, Eric Paulson is a, a Shudo champion, and uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. More recently, kind of a trainer of Brock Lesnar, and I think he's an interesting guy to, to hear to from from or hear from from a historical perspective. You know, he was there, kind of at the beginning of, of mixed martial arts in Japan, and, and uh, was really really brought in in um, uh, Hicks and Gracie for Valley Tudo uh, '94 '95. If you've ever seen the documentary Choke, that's the tournament that uh, Hickson is participating in, and yeah, he's he's a really interesting interviewee too. So. Yeah, there's quite a few people in there I think that are that are interesting and, and uh, will give people a, a bit more perspective on on pride and, and its historical context. You know. Hey man, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, intrigued to, to see how how, uh, how how this book comes out for you. And you know, obviously when when doing this, you probably had to go back and 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 check out some old fights. Like what 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 are some some of your uh, your favorite pride moments? Yeah, well, I think I've talked about the Hoist and Sakuraba fight. Uh, obviously, I think Fry Takayama is another one that people point to, and that was pretty enjoyable to go back to. But also, once you look at it, something you don't really want to see repeated ever again. Um, I think the different, <laughs> the, the real interesting one for me, and it, it takes up almost a, chap, a full chapter in the book, is the kind of three-way rivalry between Fedor, Krokop, and um, Nogueira. I think that they were, you know, uh, three great fighters, and, and the fights they had were, were really special. So going back over their, their matches as well kind of really really intrigued me and, and uh, you know, were, were, was something I really valued going back over. Um, and then just some other sort of little little stuff that I think at the time, you know, maybe got missed a little bit. So, for instance, um, Chuck Liddell losing to Rampage Jackson, you know, and... Uh, I, yeah. I think in looking at it, I think Pride were very canny because they matched Chuck up with, with Rampage um, and, and basically matched him up with a, a really good wrestler who could who could sort of nullify his strength. And they ended up kind of, uh, you know, I, I would say making the UFC with a bit of humble pie, you know, because uh, they had one of their main guys uh, get beaten by 
like Rampage, who you know wasn't 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 that big at the time, um, and and obviously over time became more of a name and, and became more recognized. But yeah, I think just little fights like that that kind of looking back at it now, I think they're very significant. But maybe at the time, you know, weren't weren't quite embraced for for as significant as they could have been. You know. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is the uh, you know you just mentioned Rampage, but the the Rampage and Vanderlei rivalry. I mean, it it, it kind of came to 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 an end in in the UFC and is about to be relived in in Bellator as as we move in closer. But I mean, you know that that was uh, that was an intriguing one at, at that time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and um, you know that's an interesting thing is what kind of the arc of different guys' careers. So, for instance, you know I think Ramp- you know Rampage was was able to win that th- third fight, I believe, um, but you know. The, the, someone like Vondelay in particular had a fantastic run, but at a certain point, you know, he just went into a decline, and, and he was already that was already starting before he went to the UFC. He lost that fight against Dan Henderson, and, and he lost that second second fight against Krokop as well. Um, and uh, yeah, like it was his rampage was at a different point in his career and was able to to keep um, keep going. You know, Boss Boss kind of said this. You know, he was pretty strong. And he was saying. You know, anytime somebody gets knocked out, they they kind of lose a little bit of their confidence, and, and it just becomes easier to knock them out over time. As well as obviously the the physio- yeah, you know, the actual physiological effect of a knockout. He said the only people he could ever see who were able to set aside the knockouts and just move on were the, the K1 guys. He said they could, you know, they could completely get their bell rung, you know, one night and then the next night be on it and and, and go again. But uh, yeah, look, pride, pride fighters were no different to UFC fighters, to boxers, to Kickboxers, where you know they, they once they got knocked out, it, it really caused a bit of a decline for them, you know. Oh yeah, I mean we've seen, you know, the the, the wrestlers go down, you know, we, you know we we've seen everything. I mean, hell, we we've even seen cr- crazy ass freaking Diaz in, in in the uh in in Pride as well. Regardless if that was you know, you know, kind of uh, way after. Um, you know, Pride had kind of lost his luster, but you know, mm. it's still probably uh, Nick's uh, uh, match with um, with Gomi is probably one of the more memorable one, regardless if it didn't result in actual winner or loser in the record books. But you know, how often that you know do, do you get to see a Google plotter in in, in uh, professional mixed martial arts? Yeah, absolutely, you know. And and that's part of what we've lost a little bit, I think, with Pride is, you know, uh, we see very few, you know, great submissions anymore because um, we don't have those 10-minute rounds. Um, and maybe that's a thing where, you know, really from a fighter safety perspective, it may well be that those rounds are, are just as safe as, as five-minute rounds because guys aren't kind of trying to rock and fuck and robots for five minutes. It's, it's actually taking their time and, one guy's getting tired and, and, you know, maybe can can be submitted, you know, which is a usually far, far safer than, than, than getting uh, getting rocked, you know. So I think it's, you know, it, it, it's those little elements, I think, that, that really would, would be nice to see back, particularly in American MMA, you know, at some point if, if there's a promotion willing to bring them back, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the other thing that I think that, you know, you're talking about things that have changed that are missing – you know, since the, the the loss of pride, but 
Man, I would love to see some yellow cards with, with, with the way some of these guys fights anymore. You know, the, the sport isn't what it was when when you know when, when Pride Pride was in its heyday. It's not it's not the same. You know, granted, you know we we have so much more access to to, to mixed martial arts now than, than we did when when the sport was kind of first re- really taken off. But I mean, just the way some of it's ran, the way some of the fighters approach it, it it's not the same. Don't you think? Yeah, you know, and, and I think that that comes to a large part of kind of how the UFC has marketed itself and how it's built its brand and why it's become such a valuable company is because it's very much based itself on kind of a sports-based approach in inverted commas. You know, it's really, um, it, it's gone with regulation. It's gone with consistency. It's gone with developing a rule set, you know, drug testing system, a lot of these things. But I think as a result, the fighters, I think in a lot of cases, do see themselves as kind of pro athletes, you know, and, and uh you know, that, that's that's how they see themselves. But if you look at the one or two people that tend to be cut through and are memorable, you know, whether it's like Conor McGregor or Chael Sonnen or whatever, they are people who are able to embrace the entertainment aspect of it too. Um, and the other thing as well is, you know, the UFC, you know, for as great as they are, you know, they can skimp on production quite a bit, you know. I mean, I uh, I went to a writing show, which is obviously one of the sort of successor promotions to the UFC to, the, to Pride yes. in 2016. Yes. And I, I was really blown away by the entrances, you know, by the production they put into it. And, and so much mm-hmm. of it, you know, yeah, it's expensive, but it's also just kind of, um, it's pageantry. It's, it's, it's but here's generation the thing, interest. Like, and... this is the thing UFC's kind of really taken away, too, it. from the individuality of the yes. sport. Like, they with the uniforms the and the, like, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to, to become, like, more uniformed, but it's really taking away from, like, building a fan base with individual fighters. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Not yeah. just that. Like, you know? like, 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 Nikki. The other thing is, he was just talking about what, what about about not just what Ryzen does, but what Pride was prided themselves on was the how the fans connected was was the interest that that it was still entertainment that that it was still you know something that that would make you like 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 uh who, who was the guy that no one remembers now because he's no longer a contender, but because of the way this guy came to the cage. What was it? Uh, James Kahuna. Nope. Right? You know, he did the the whole men in black yeah. thing. He did all kinds of stuff. And it was like right around that time, the UFC was like, you know what? No no, no more of these, these crazy answers. And you're right. It, it, takes, it, takes away, well. it, t- it takes away from your promotion. It takes away from your athletes. It takes away with for your, 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 your fan to, to fighter, you know, interaction and interest. It, it, it just... You know, it's just nine to five in it. That's exactly what the UFC did to it. They nine to five did. And you know, yeah. I, I think that I, I think you're seeing a little bit that that how that's so much to their detriment now. Where you know, uh, like I think they're going to have Connor fight this year, which is going to be big for them. But in terms of actual stars, you know, they're, they're kind of they're kind of short on the ground. You know, there's some really great fighters and they're really talented, but. You know, it's not always stuff that, that makes people get excited, you know. And this is the thing as well is, you know, mixed martial arts fans, for all that they complain, you know, people do tune in to see the unique stuff. They they do tune in to see CM Punk, uh, you know, or McGregor take on Mayweather or what have you. And, um, yeah, look, Pride was great at that, was, uh, you know, marketing stars and allowing people to kind of show a lot of personality, you know. And I think that's, yeah, something that, that's missing a little bit and that, that maybe could be could be brought back, you know. 
I hope it's something that that does get brought back in some type of facet. I mean, it's it's one of the things like you know a lot of us say you know the UFC doesn't do anything to kind of help build any more stars. It's kind of like they let them build themselves and they promote it who who they who they feel should get promoted regardless. It's just um. Ah, uh, it's, it's a troubling time to to be a MMA fighter in in the biggest promotion in in mixed martial arts, and that's just a crazy, sad thing to say. <laughs> the, the, one of the other things as well to say about Pride, and and um, you know, this doesn't just go for Pride, but um, it, it's kind of how it really cemented, uh, uh, you know, the fact that it collapsed and was kind of bought out by the UFC. You know, really meant that there was few alternatives for the fighters. You know, that there was no real place to leverage themselves against. I think Bellator is providing a little bit now for for some of the fighters, but you know, UFC managed to kind of buy out all these promotions and really put itself into basically a, a monopolistic position. Um, and what that meant was the fighters, whether they want you know wanted to get better conditions or pay or what have you, they don't have they don't have as many options maybe as they would have if some of the other fighters were still around. So. I think that's another reason to, to kind of lament its passing is the fact that um, yeah, but that's, you know, to, that, that's beginning to come to an end as we speak to it right now. You just mentioned Bellator. Now look what what, what PFL has done this past season. Regardless mm-hmm. if you know the fans are are in tune with, with who those guys are because it, you know they don't have any stars. But as far as what the fighters say, I hear I hear amazing things. You know, from former UFC fighters to to you know the guys who've been you know all over the United States, all over the world, fighting in MMA, and just be like the opportunity that they have that you know that there is no bureaucratic process for them to move up, advance, get more money, and fight for a title. It's kind of taken out of the promoter's hand. It's literally it's in the fighter's hands. You have to win. Gain, gain the points to move on and and you know b- you know keep your 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 spot there. You know we're about to see mm. their their uh, their play their playoff start. I think after this this event tomorrow, then you know me and Nikki are actually getting involved uh, in, in helping out uh, MMA uh, MMA Pro League, which is a team based uh, um, promotion right now. You're going to have Team Pennsylvania versus Team New Jersey. They intend to kind of expand as they continue to have events and move forward. So we'll see how that eventually plays out. I know a lot of people are excited to see the team element back back in a promotion in, in combat sports. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, pride. You know, pride is kind of a whole different animal. But a lot of people uh, dug uh, what the, the early IFL days. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really, I think it's really positive, you know, and, and um, you know, for Pride, one, one of its death nails was the fact that it didn't have alternative revenue sources. You know, once it got uh, taken off TV in Japan um, due to accusations over sort of Yakuza links, you know, uh, it, it really struggled for revenue, you know. But if you look now at the fact that there's all these streaming deals there that 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 Bellator obviously and, and um, uh, you know PFL and, and so forth are able to uh, to draw on. You know that just means that there's stuff out there, and if you look at other promotions in Europe like KSW or, or whatever, there is just so much more scope out there to actually try different things. So I, look, I think it's really positive uh, in terms of teams. Um, I think there's a little element to that in Pride as well, where you know uh, they were able to kind of pit different teams against each other, like uh, Brazilian top team, you know, against um, uh, the Shooter Box, 
you know, they, they didn't have, yeah. you know, an obviously scoring system, but you still had the kind of that team rivalry. And yeah, look, anything you can, anytime you can add something unique to it, uh, I think that that's something that really will appeal to people, you know, because it, it's hard to look at what I would say, like, even though it's a good fight, fights where you don't know people and where you're not sure what the stakes are. I think those are things that are, you know, uh, yeah, they're exciting fights to watch them, but sometimes it's, it's good to have that extra, extra element of competitiveness in there too. Yeah, definitely fun. But um, as we are going to get ready to wrap this up and bring our next guest on, we typically kind of throw the proverbial microphone over to you, Lee. Anyone you want to thank, give shout-outs to, shoot out your social media sites, anything else you want to add before we uh, before we let you go and, and get get you some sleep in there? Uh, the time is yours, my friend. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I just want to thank both of you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, the, the website to go to is beforefallbook.com, and uh, I just want to thank John Sheen, our illustrator, uh, Eamon Dalton, who's helping us out with layout, and my friend Danica Coffey, who's, who did the video of me um, cutting cutting one of the appalling, most appalling promos you'll probably ever see, uh, inside or outside of fighting. And, um, yeah, that's it. I just want to say thanks to thanks to all those folks. Uh, oh, sorry, but, by the way, the uh, the social media channels for the book, uh, for the book is... Um, just before fall book on Twitter and before fall book on Facebook. And then again, I'll see before fall book.com. So pretty easy to remember. All right, my friend Lee, uh, again, thanks for your time. Get some sleep and, uh, you know, anything we can help with, uh, moving forward, just make sure you, you, you tag either me, me or Nikki. And we'll, we'll try to help out as much as we can, my friend. Super. Thanks guys. All right. Thank uh, you. you Take care. All right, everyone. That was, uh, that was Lee Daly, and uh, that, he's the author of uh, Before I Fall, a uh, History of Pride FC. Now that you, you've got a little background information, are, 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 you, are you really excited? Are you, are you going to grab the book for the holidays? Is it going to be under the Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, he said a lot of things I had no idea about. Like, I'm definitely going to be brushing up. Maybe we can have him on again after I read the book, and we'll be able to talk for real. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll have him back on, and 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 Nicole actually ha- have some some questions. I'm pretty sure you're sitting yeah. there like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here. And I mean, educate I feel a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I never really was that big of a Pride like fan, but I knew like a little bit. But now like, that he said a lot of things I had no idea, and very interesting with all like the like the fixing stuff and everything like that. I was like, oh, oh man, I'm that, to, that's been like, yeah, that has been a a no unconfirmed idea. rumor for God knows how long. And he's right. There was some language that where, where it was kind of hinted at, but the fact that he just said, boss basically said there was a fax that said it was a work. It's over. It's over. I have my reservations. Yeah. They've been confirmed. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that one is, but we got, uh, we, we got the, the unpredictable one is, is hopping on the line. Now we got our, our second guest of the evening, Mr. Sean Lally. How you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, awesome. we're, we're, we're excellent, man. Yeah, we we just got done you know, talking some MMA. We just had uh we just had the author of uh of uh, Before Fall: The History of Pride FC on. Now we're gonna get ready to to, to talk talk right. to you, my friend. I have a you know I have a quick question. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Am I allowed to swear on your show? Hey, man. Sure. I, I always say it like this. I always say it like this. All right, man. cool. We censor ourselves. Hey man, you get passionate, you get caught up in the moment, something, something feels right, you want to say it, 
Drop the F-bomb, whatever you got to do, my friend. <laughs> it it happens I, from I, time I, to time. Yeah, it does yeah, happen. Yeah. I know how it is. Yeah. yeah I don't even know. notice because I'm hanging around fighters all day. That's all I do is I <laughs> hang around fighters all day, and we're dropping F-bombs every other word. You don't even notice. Well, oh, man. Yeah. I've seen you guys, man. I've been in them gym where you guys are sitting there BSing, and, and it's just like every every third word is F this and F that. Absolutely. It's the boys' locker room. We know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, it's been a been a while for you, man. You, you know, you, you're you know c- coming off a, a tough loss to Curtis or, or, on the Contender Series. Looking back at that, knowing that that there was a good possibility that neither you or Chris were going to get get that, does it does it bother you as much now, knowing that that he didn't get it and and you know get in either and you know win or lose it really didn't matter, you know as far as who got the contract because it looked like you were wind up going to get passed up anyways. Yeah, so you know going into that fight, I uh, I truly believed that I was going to come out victorious. Um, I really was able to get into that that mindset and that mind frame and and go in go into the fight in uh, with true belief in my abilities. Uh, now before that, I had known that Curtis was going to be my toughest fight to date. I mean, out of 23 pro fights, uh, not only has he not been knocked out, he hasn't been knocked down. And he's a, uh, you know, he's got three different belts in uh, three different leagues. So we knew it was a huge step up in competition. But, you know, if uh, if the UFC calls and they offer you a guy, you take it because that's the opportunity that we're all we're all training for and we're all waiting for. So going into it, I knew it was going to be tough. Um, I was obviously disappointed with uh, the outcome, but it was also um, some tactics on my part that led to me getting caught. And that's the part of the game. You know, I'm able to look at my performance in a third person perspective and critique myself and, and get better based upon that. So, you know, going into it, it after when all is said and done, I, I take it as a win win. Um, I was, I was quite surprised he didn't get a contract, honestly. I've been pretty open about that. I, I thought that he would get Not a contract. That, the and, fact that he even retired on top of that was just even more heartbreaking for me. I'm like, wait, wait. You fight all He's coming that back. And he he's coming there. back. He's coming, he's oh, coming, I know he's back. coming back. I know he is, man. You know you it. Got, you you guys, know it. Oh, but come on. You, you guys are, are – That was an emotional post. I'm so retirement. <laughs> Well, no, Dude, and, stay and off social right? media right after your fight, you know? Yeah. You, but you, you I was very surprised, you know. What else do you got to do? Um, you know, he's he's ranked higher nationally than many UFC fighters, and, you know, he's beat the who's mm-hmm. who. So it's like I, I was surprised that he didn't get a contract, you know. Um, and, and I know we're going to see him again. I know that CES just had that event in Philly, um, and they mm-hmm. fought for – the vacant 170 belt and uh, Curtis has been on social media a little bit commenting on some of that. So I, I think we'll see him, uh, <laughs> see him come back I, I, and I hope to see him we'll come see back. Him again, but, but also knowing you, Sean, I know you're, even though you're disappointed with your performance, I'm sure you're more than happy with the level of competition you were because knowing the type of guy you're like, okay, this, this, this is where I'm at now. That's where he's at. Now I know where I have to go and get to. 
Absolutely. You know, it was going into that fight. It was like, it was, it was a win win before going in. Like I said, I was going in to win. No doubt. I don't show up to lose, but, um, it was, it was more pressure on him. You know, I'm still a little bit early in my career. Uh, I was expected to lose. Um, and, and on the judges scorecards, I took round one, he took round two and I was arguably ahead in round three. So it's like, you know, I, I know I can hang with guys of that caliber. It was a big confidence boost for me. And then I also saw where I could, you know, fix things and, and I can get better and continue to build the skills. So, so overall, you know, I, I take it as a win. Um, in my in my martial arts career and ultimately being on a show like that you get more eyes on you too so now you know it leads to different things that led you to Bellator and stuff so I mean that's also yeah. another win just being able to have the the showcase basically absolutely you know um, just like you said it's a, it's a big stage a lot of eyes on uh, I know two guys from my episode of the contender that have been called up for injuries, for injured fighters, two guys that didn't get contracts that night. So, you know, they're obviously using the contender list of uh, as roster. I had a good talk with Dana Light. You know, he said, go win a fight. We could call you up on two weeks' notice if someone's injured, you know. So so I'm just staying ready, and, and I'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to get hurt to get pulled up on an undercard, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fight in Bellator. I'm going to take this kid out, and I'm going to be ready. So... How does that work now that if you, you're fighting with Bellator, would you still be able to just leave and go to the UFC if they called you up? Yeah, so um, we, we did a one-fight deal with Bellator for that reason because the, uh, you know, the ultimate goal is to get to the UFC. But um, if uh, I had a good performance at Bellator and they offered us you know, some money and some opportunity, maybe we could go there. But uh Trying to trying to keep the options open right now and not not get tied down into anything uh, unless it was the UFC, of course. That's one right. thing we talk about all the time with the regional scene, brother. Like uh, like when you see some of these guys and they'll sign an exclusive contract to you know whatever regional show is to them. Do you feel like some of these guys are almost painting themselves in the corner to to to, to be excluded from opportunities? Not too, thinking too far ahead that we're thinking of right now. Yeah, I do. I think guys get excited. You know, they they want to hop on to hop on to that, and you know they got the big name behind them. But um, you know, at the end of the day, like when Bellator comes to Mohegan, they want me on their card because I sell tickets and I'm a local guy. And like I know that, you know, they'll they'll sign a guy who's three and uh, you know three and zero or two and one if he sells 200 tickets locally in Connecticut. Um, and and. I respect Bellator. It's a great league. I'm I'm super psyched to be on that card. But with that being said, I'm not. I don't get blind to the other opportunities that may be out there. You know, if I if I go in there and get a highlight reel knockout, you know, then then I have then I have some control. Then we could say, okay, let's talk. You know, the UFC wants me on their undercard. What are you guys going to offer? You know, and that's and that's the type of opportunities you don't want to tie yourself down too early. Um, in, into anything like that. I mean, maybe the only time you do that is if you know you're coming out as an amateur and you, you know you've been fighting one of these companies that do that do pro ams and you know you sign a five fight deal then. But you can't be you know eight ten fights into your career signing an exclusive contract with your regional promotion as as much as you may love them as much as you may love fighting in front of your fans whatever. I just think it's 
it's oh, it's it's almost career suicide at this point in time. Unless you have, unless you're really good, really good, and really close with that promoter, and something does come up that you can get out of that, you're stuck. Absolutely, you're stuck, and and it's on their terms. You know, like if I if I fought at Mohegan and I was signed to a four fight deal, maybe they don't offer me another fight till a year later when they come back to Mohegan Sun. You know, and then I'm stuck just waiting. And and I'm not in the I'm not into waiting right now, you know. I'm I'm trying to grind and I'm trying to yeah, fight. Or, or or you know, or even even worse, like like God God forbid, like like one of these guys sign these con uh, a contract like that and they get injured during that time. And they're like, hey, you still owe me five fights. I'm like, yeah, you've been out for a yeah. year, but you know, oh well, buddy. Yeah, and then you're three. It's taking you four four years to get out of this five fight contract and then your career's over, you know, and that's, that's the uh, yeah. problem with it. So yeah, we just signed a one fight deal, you know, and that, and that gives us options. I'm not saying I wouldn't sign with Bellator if they offered us a good deal, but um, I want to have options. I think, I mean, with everything else that's going on, I don't know why anyone would want to be tied down to anyone. Like, yes, the, the UFC is kind of, Mecca or the Pinnacle, however you you want you want to view it, but with all these other promotions popping up doing doing good things, you know, with the the format PFL has, I mean, I I don't see it. I don't I haven't seen a single fighter have anything bad to say about that format. You know, you had um, was it uh Sean O'Connell who who was a former UFC fighter and he you know he's doing commentating and when he's getting done commentating he's hopping in the cage fighting as well. So like yeah exactly uh, so he's making he's making a, his whole career is with the PFL you know it, yeah hell yeah <laughs> I want to see him commentate his own fight while fighting I want to see him put the headset <laughs> on go into the cage like, and be like all right yeah talking shit to the guy and <laughs> moving around with the headset on I don't know we'll see you're gonna have it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly the headset oh, would be illegal. <laughs> it is definitely illegal, but but who's to sit there and say they couldn't put an earbud in? And you know maybe yeah, the maybe the, the audio is, isn't the greatest in the world, but you know uh, they get some kind of you know at least get some some feedback on him like after the the corners leave and and, and him say you know because you know how how much of a character he is ahead just hear him say some something goofy or, or before before the uh, the round starts or whatever. Be interesting. Absolutely, <laughs> it would be. It would be first-person perspective. He wouldn't yeah. be able to call his own knock. If he got knocked out, though, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to call himself getting knocked but out. But that, that that would also be an interesting thing because, like, not only times do we actually get the the, the hear that. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. You know. You know. Uh, I think I, when I first started getting into MMA, I was reading this article and they they were talking to Herb Dean. And and uh, he was like, "What is the weirdest thing you ever heard a fighter say after they knocked out?" He, I forget the fighter he named, and it was, uh, he, I guess, like when he was unconscious, the guy was talking, and he was like, "Them fishes are slippery, though." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, can you imagine like, something like that? Like, or a fighter just comes out with some craziness while they're while they're unconscious. Yeah, and they actually get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, they man. get that live. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh man, he's never gonna live that one down ever. Absolutely, <laughs> he's gonna have not. to ride that one forever. Yeah, he's gonna have to get T-shirts made with the saying on it and everything. Just oh own yeah, it. he's gotta ride with that. Brand one. it. Just ride. You with gotta it. brand that. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, it was pretty cool having Herb a- Dean as as my ref. I liked that. Yeah, I I yeah, got to be like in there it, with you know, Herb Dean. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and here's the other thing: like, you're starting to see fighters now actually become referees. How much do you like to see you seeing guys like Frank Trigg getting there and give back to the sport to the point where that you know he's you honestly you think that a guy like that in in there, you know that he's not gonna he's not gonna shortchange you. He's, he's gonna give you the benefit of that. He's like, I've been there. I, I wanted to fight out of that position. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they got an eye for it. Like, I, I, I almost think it should be mandatory to have had at least a fight or a little, a couple fights, you know, to be a referee. Herb's had fights? I, I'm, I'm, I've YouTubed them. Herb has fought before. Yeah, Herb's thrown down. I've watched him. <laughs> I mean, not not the, the most athletic guy or the graceful guy, but hey, man. <laughs> no, yeah, but hey, he, he got in there and he, he knows. He's had his That's hand it. raised more times than CM Punk. The end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. End of story. <laughs> Sorry, CM. I love you, bro. But it, it, the opportunity was there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'll fight But then CM also Punk you get these other the opportunities. Like, uh, like uh, um, you see, um, you know, Daniel's working with MMA Pro League, and they're doing kind of a, a team-based thing. Uh, you know, if uh, they start they start talking about uh, – your team Massachusetts are, are uh, uh, and you know you're not tied down to anything. Would you either a coach or b be involved in something like that? Uh, yeah, you know it's like I'm 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 looking for opportunities. I I love MMA and I want my whole life to be surrounded by it. I want to be engulfed in it, and that's why I keep I keep these options open. So when the opportunities arise, I can take them. So yeah, I would I'd be interested in something like that if, if it seemed like a good decision for me to make really however i can best be involved in the sport and make a living is great for me you know i like i of course we all want to make a bunch of money um but like at the end of the day i I love fighting and honestly i would fucking pay to get in the cage but uh so so if i can make a living and support my family through martial arts and being involved in martial arts that's that's the dream to me. Now, I haven't been near your page in a while. I noticed this freaking meme, man. Dude, that's like the meme of the year. The the one of you at the Spartan race. <laughs> the, this is how dudes look when the girl says they're the, the, the single man or something like that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I've been, I've been put, putting some memes out there. <laughs> I've been, I've been self-memeing. I've been self-memeing. <laughs> Uh, there ain't nothing wrong with that, as long as they're good ones. <laughs> yeah, that, right. that, that, was was good one. that was gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, should, I should send that out as, as a tweet for that we have Sean on. Use that as a photo. <laughs> I had another one that was, like, me walking out for a, uh, a fight, and I'm, like, I'm in, like, mean mugging mode, and I put um, – and I, I did like three pictures where it's like a far out, it gets a little closer, and then it's zoomed up right on my face, and it says, "When you get to work on a Friday, and then some asshole tells you it's only Thursday." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go check that oh, one out when we're, when we're done. You'll like Ruin that one. Ruin the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Come on. <clears throat> but you know. You know, Bellator's coming up. You got, you got, you got it basically in, in, in your backyard there. You know, you you you, you, bit, you basically, you know, you fought in everywhere. 
what's kind of the the place that you haven't fought in yet that that you're hoping at you know being being an MMA fighter traveling doing all the stuff that you're a- able to kind of be able to fight there and be able to kind of, you know, a place where, you know, maybe there's some something touristy you want to visit or check out or whatever. I would, I'd love to fight, um, I'd love to fight overseas somewhere, you know, like I've been interested in taking a trip to Thailand and I'd like to, uh, you know, do a Muay Thai fight out there. Like if I was going to go visit Thailand, I'd stay for a month and, the last week I was, I was out there, I'd do a traditional Muay Thai fight, you know, to experience that. Um, that would be an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, and just to to see a little bit more of the world. But Thailand's probably first on the list for me. And if I was going to go out there, like I said, I'd do a traditional Muay Thai fight and get the whole whole experience. I mean that's definitely something uh, I think a lot a, a lot of fighters feel. You know, not, not just not just you. It's like, you know, you know. I guess like Japan would probably like a lot of people who who are who who are old school and, and, and love MMA from from back then would uh would definitely have like kind of a appeal to to the, that side of it. But then like you said, there's also like the kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters of the world that the the MMA fighters who who love to just kind of throw their hands, elbows, and knees. You know, Thailand is, yeah. is is another one. You know, you know it's you know regardless of of you know you know what anyone thinks, like Thailand is is the place you want to be if you if you're a, a Muay Thai or, or kickboxer. It's just it's where you want to go. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, it's the the ancient art, you know. And I would love just to and and Thailand's beautiful. The landscape, you know, the food. It's a good culture. So it'd be a great place to go visit. Hopefully, I can uh, make my way out there. In the next year or two, I, I, I hope you're able to get it. I mean, with, with a lot, with what a lot of these these companies are, are traveling around for and stuff like that, I wouldn't even be surprised if you were able to get get an MMA fight some somewhere in that area. Maybe not Thailand completely together, but you know, with, with yeah, the yeah. rapid expansion of a lot of like even like look what Bellator has done just since Scott Coker's t- taken over. What he's done for that promotion just internationally. Regardless of adding Bellator kickboxing and 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 the guys that they, that that he has brought in because of who he is, just what they've done internationally is is insane. Because yeah, they're doing it it's, twice it's, as fast uh, as what the UFC did when they were doing their expansion. Absolutely, they're uh, they're on the rise for sure. They're um, they're really expanding all over the world. But you know, we also ha- have a lot of stuff going on in the UFC, and I know that's wh- that's where where you want to go. H- how do you feel with, uh, with with what's going on in the UFC within your weight class right now? Because there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on at the top of that division. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm excited for some of the upcoming fights. We got uh, you know, Till and uh, Woodley. That's going to be a hell of a fight. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I can't really make a call on that one. Um, I I could see I mean, it, it honestly could it see it going same, either it's like the way. Same fight is as Superboy, except the guy's younger. Like he's seriously, Till's like a, a younger version of, of Stephen Thompson. I swear to yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like I I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. Honestly, I think oh, it's yeah, a I think yeah. it's a good it's matchup. It's an interesting stylistic matchup. Um, I just think it's who who implements their game plan better and who comes 
who comes better that night, who's the better fighter that night, I think is really what it's going to come down to. Um, so that's a good fight. You know, I'm excited to see uh, Robbie Lawler and Wonderboy. You know, Lawler's been off for almost a year, I want to say, or, or over a year um, after what, his loss to uh, RDA. Is that have right? He fought, have he, fought, he fought once since he lost the title, if I remember correctly. So I think he fought twice. I think he lost to RDA and then beat Donald Cerrone. Uh, that's what it was. I, I, yeah. I totally spaced out the RDA fight. See, I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to recognize that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, so um, I'm excited to see that fight. Um, you know, and a lot of lot of killers in the 170 division right now. Yeah, man, it's. I mean, it's one of the divisions that's kind of in a weird spot, like because a lot of people kind of feel like, uh, you know, you know, you know, some people feel that that you know. The whole um, thing with with T Wood and 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 Mr. Loudmouth just ne- needed to happen, and the, the the whole timing of the thing is weird. Till got 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 the the title shot despite missing weight, you know, two out of the last three times out, and a lot of people felt that he lost the fight to Wonder Boy. So it's kind of like a weird spot to begin the division. Not just that, also a lot of people, not just in the UFC, but fans in general, feel that that we should be adding more weight classes and things are going to kind of hopefully get moved around sometime over the next few years as far as that goes, I, I think it's a legitimate concern. Like, you know, we, we I would love to this. see more weight classes. You know, I, mean, I, I think sure most would, guys would love to see. <laughs> My next fight you is know, at we're, 175. We're, we're from the East Coast, where we have, the food is just too good, man. You need to give us some more it's options. too fucking good. We like to eat. <laughs> we like our food. And when it's cold in the winter, I want to eat warm food. And I want to eat a lot of it. It's like we go into a hibernation mode. Maybe if I lived in, like, Florida and it was hot all the time, I wouldn't want to eat so much. But in the middle of January, I want to eat warm things and a lot Dude, of it. Dude, I, I, like I want some steak and potatoes, man. And yeah, I want some apple line. pie. Like, I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to watch football. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually I'm actually fighting at 175 this next fight. We agreed on a catchweight, which uh oh, which go. is good, you know. It's not too bad for me to get to 170, but it's a, just a little bit easier to fight at 175. So, that's uh that's a good thing for you, me. You guys are both out of Massachusetts. Do you like know your opponent? Like have you like maybe seen him before or you guys crossed paths at all? Uh, we actually haven't like crossed paths. Um, I think his name was, I've been offered his name in the past. Maybe, um, at some point I kind of knew who he was. Um, he's a, he's a Massachusetts guy. He fights out of team link. He's well-rounded, you know, tough kid. It's not going to be an easy fight, uh, nor do I want an easy fight, but I think I, I think I got what it takes to, uh, to beat this guy. And I like the matchup from the beginning. Have you changed anything up coming into this fight, your training camp, your routines, anything like that? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I was working a lot of boxing with some pro boxers for Chris Curtis because um, I knew that his boxing was good. And this is like how camps, you know, I, I always work on everything, but sometimes I bring in some new guys and work in certain areas a little bit more, you know. So I'm, I'm 
doing some serious wrestling. I'm doing some serious jujitsu a little more than I did last camp because I know this guy has a couple of good submission wins. Um, but that's that's how you get better over the course of years. You know, like there's a eight week period where I'm doing more jujitsu, and then there's an eight week period where I'm doing more boxing, and then there's an eight week period where I'm doing more clinch work, and and over time all these skills you know come into play because I never I never leave one in the past but maybe I'm maybe I'm doing boxing only two days a week opposed to four and um, and and focusing on certain tendencies but we stay prepared everywhere you know but this camp a little more jujitsu uh, we've got some good good wrestlers that I'm working with doing some more wrestling and and that's that's about it you know and still staying staying sharp everywhere else mm-hmm this is a pretty big card that you're on. Like they're doing that, like the back-to-back events in uh, New York or Connecticut and stuff like that. Is there what's the like another fight that you're looking forward to seeing when your fight's over? Main event. Um, the main event, of course. You know Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrione. I'm looking forward to that fight. That's exciting. Um, big Country Roy Nelson's fighting that night, so like I want to try to like hit the buffet with him after the fight. You know, maybe we can do something. <laughs> that <laughs> and, uh, so that's gonna be cool and uh you know brendan ward's fighting he's uh he's always exciting you know he comes to brawl so it, yeah it's a pretty stacked card my boy peter barrett is on the card as well um top new england uh 145er so we got a. Uh, it's gonna be an exciting night a lot of good yeah, you mentioned before uh, about like you mentioned before about like being stuck in mohegan sun i feel like brendan ward is like the mohegan sun guy like every time they yeah, come to the sure. sun, he's there. Exactly. They know <laughs> he's going to stop that guy. I think he's been fighting, yeah. Always, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, they're going to have their own slot machine, like a Brennan Ward slot machine there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Might as well as much as he fights there, man. <laughs> I know, yeah. He's always fighting there. I wasn't surprised to see that he's on the card, but, you know, he probably has some sort of deal like that, you know? The whole crowd last time I was there, I think, was his family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He brings he brings a big crowd for sure. It should be a fun one yeah. though. The whole card. Yeah, it's gonna be a good event. It's a good card to be on. You know, a big win gets a lot of exposure for sure. Like, uh, you know, you finish a guy in devastating fashion. Everyone's gonna see it. And then the next day they're going out to uh, Long Island, so that's they're like really yeah. coming in there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a long weekend for everyone working for Bellator. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Yeah, they got Fedor and uh, Chael Sonnen the following night, and that decides the finals. Poor Chael. <laughs> oh, Chael. I met Chael at the World Series of Fighting. We were sitting back there talking, and he was, like, talking about some guy. And I don't know what he was saying, but we were sitting back there talking, and then... All of a sudden, I was like, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? Like, He's like, oh, I thought we knew each other. And, like, we took a picture. It was funny. (laughs) 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 One thing's for sure, he he always knows how to get a laugh out of people, regardless of what people feel about his fighting skill or opportunities he's been gifted or whatever. The guy is just, he, he, you know, no matter what, before the fight, if you're mentally weak, that dude will break you. He will find he a will. way to break you. He will. Absolutely. But he's just can, relentless. If you can sustain that, if you can, if you can get by that 
and and kind of you know get get him frustrated early on. He's the type of guy that it, 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 he kind of almost goes back into it, you know just some of the stuff he used to say like when, when he would like lose these fights. I'm you know I'm bridesmaid never the bride type type thing. And he, I think he gets stuck in that because he's even talked in the past that he's even going to sports psychologists and stuff like that. I'm like, wait, the guy who's arguably one of the, one of the best talkers in MMA and he's a sports psychologist tells you how much of a mental game MMA is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I don't think he's going to be able to get into Fedor's head. <laughs> Fedor probably doesn't oh, even no. know what the hell he's saying. Yeah, Fedor he's doesn't even know what he's saying. He's like, I have no idea what this guy is you're talking about. <laughs> Fedor just, like, so, blanks out and just thinks what he's having for dessert later, probably. Just like, hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to get home. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, rolls out of bed in his slippers, walks out to the fight. <laughs> totally. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, good for those guys. You know, they're probably making some good money at the end of their careers. And, yeah, that's. That's it, really, you know. Well, hope, and it, it's like it's like they're all, at least they're fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves plan. them too, so why not? What's that? Everybody loves them. Why not? You know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up. You know, people will pay to watch it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's the the other thing that people kind of really question about what goes on in MMA is just how the matchmaking goes. It just sometimes, as you get higher up, it's just not the way it should be or the way it used to be, I guess I should say. So you always have no. You know, it's not always like people. number one versus number two. It's like you know he talked shit to him, so we're gonna make this fight happen. Like you know, it's. I, I, I still think the worst matchup I've seen in the past three to four years was um, the Bisbing Dane Henderson one. That was just the most egregious thing I've I've ever seen. And and, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'd like to see the fight. It's just it, it made literally absolutely no sense other than Michael Bisbing no. won the Avenger fight that he shouldn't have won that fight either. I still think Dane Henderson won that fight in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that but, it's like still not even settled in the eyes of most people. At the end of the day. Yeah, and then, and then we're just going to, you know, continue to go along as as if the, the number one ranked guy in the world didn't just fight the 14th ranked guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. Not because all, of an injury, like, not, not because numbers. of a last-minute replacement, that this was the actual plan. <laughs> because of a beef. Because of redemption, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like a fucking Hollywood movie. Redemption, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, speaking of Hollywood movie, there's a rumor that Denzel Washington's gonna be be, play, be playing uh, uh, Scarface in the new remake. I'm like, oh my god, leave us alone with the remakes already. <laughs> I know, and usually the remakes aren't good. Like, let, let it be. Just do the one. I heard they're making like five avatars. I saw something recently that's like, like making an Avatar two, three, four, five. Like, know why he, do you know why? Yeah, but it takes so like long? five years to make one. I you know. know like I don't one even every five understand. Years. You know why he waited, do, right? Why? James Cameron specifically said after they shot the last movie that he was waiting a significant amount of time because the way he wants to shoot the remaining four movies, the technology was not ready yet. So he literally waited it out so he could shoot the film the way he wants to 
So they're literally going to uh, – I think they're, they, that the second movie is already shot, I, I think, as we speak. My question is okay. we haven't seen or heard from the, – the, the, my question is because we haven't seen or heard not, not a whisper out of Sam Worthington in, in well over five years. Is he still going to be in the movie or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? I don't know, man. I don't even watch <laughs> movies. It's crazy. I don't even I can't even remember the last time I watched a movie. Was the last time I don't watch any, I don't even watch as sports. Much as you guys I don't even watch travel. sports anymore. I don't even watch sports anymore. I because I, 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 I work minute, during the day How are you and then I train. You don't watch sports anymore. Come on, man. You you have to I seriously I train every I train every single night. I get home at like ten and I go to bed and then I get up and I work. I watch I watch football on Sunday. That's the only sport I really give a shit about. I only care about watching the Patriots. I don't really care about baseball. It kind of is boring. Um, I'll go to a go. game if it's I'll go to a game if it's live. You know, you I'll go. go to Fenway. I'll go to Fenway. You know, you ha- you're sitting on the line with two of your rivals right now, right? Hello, Philadelphia. I know. Nicole's uh and Nicole's a Jet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, so I'll be watching the Pats, just so you guys know, <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully, uh, uh, you guys make make a move before the season starts because you ain't doing nothing with that wide receiver core, bro. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see how things play out. Uh, you still got you still got twelve. I'm not I'm not saying you ain't going to the playoffs or anything like that. I'm just saying. Oh, we're going to the playoffs. That's that's a fact. I didn't yeah, say that's going to the playoffs. I'm just saying you ain't you ain't going far with that wide receiver court. That's all I'm saying. I got rid of the We'll see, we'll we'll see how things go. We always find a way. We always find a way. They'll fucking Belichick will find some guy down in like the Boston Common and recruit him, and then he'll be fucking <laughs> the superstar. Me, meanwhile, Des Bryant is still floating out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he flat out said, like, oh, I'm not in no rush. I, you know, I'm taking care of me. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> so, um, all right, you do you, Des. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's wrap this one up because we, 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 we got our next guest, uh, you know, wait, waiting to hop on all here. All right. Uh, Sean, what we always do, man, kind of throw the proverbial microphone over you. Anyone you'd like to thank, training partners, teammates, shoot out your social media sites. Any charities you're working with, anything you want to say at all the time is yours, my friend. All right, cool. So let's go with uh, sponsors first. I'm just going to name a couple of my major sponsors. Uh, Alphabolics, uh, they got a great supplement line. Fight Rub, they got a great rub to help with aches, pains, bumps, bruises, uh, Melanson Photography, Suicide Grip. Uh, as far as training partners, everyone knows who they are and who's been part of this journey. Um, my head coach, crew, Mark Delagrati, team Sitio Tong, give a shout out to them. Um, as far as social media goes, I just use my regular Facebook page, Sean Lally. My Instagram is the unpredictable dot one. Uh, I like to post <clears throat> workouts, fight stuff, weird shit, different things like that on there. So definitely <laughs> tune in, check it out. And uh, I appreciate all the support from friends, family, and fans. Uh, That's about friend, it, Sean. Best of skill to you on the uh, on the upcoming fight uh, for this Bellator card, man. Up in October, hopefully uh, you get Thank the result you. you want and you get the phone call you want afterwards. 
Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Always, always good. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Thank All right, you. Yo, good night. Just, just one last thing. All right. Go birds. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> yeah, go pack. Good night. Peace. <laughs> Uh, all right, without any further ado, we're being joined by our final guest of the evening. He is USC Bantamway, Toronto Flashwear, and he is slated to return to the Octagon September 15th against Murab Zavashvili on USC <laughs> Fight Night 136. How are we doing tonight, my friend? Great, man. How's it going? Uh, we're, we're good. We're, we're just having a little fun with Mr. Lally there. Now we're now we're uh, getting ready to talk to you, Toronto. How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Just okay. got out of work, right? How was how was your day at work? <laughs> uh, it's a good day at work. Always a good day at work. I like my job. That's good. What do you do? I'm a personal trainer. Oh, that's nice. That's fun. Good time. Hi, man. You can't, can't get no better than that. You're basically doing your 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 one job, you know, basic needs, while while you get ready for your other job, right? Yeah. Two birds, one stone. There you go. It is. Not always. It, people don't understand well. it, it, the things that the personal trainers have to do. You guys, they have to lay out the the the, the, the whole regimen for the, for these people because that's why you have a personal trainer because these people can't do it from themselves. So. You know, he's got to do that, be, be ready for that, then, you know, also have to be sharp and ready for, for when he uh, when he goes and fights for the UFC and steps in that cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, you know, but I, I've been able to manage it well. Um, um, it's something I've been doing for a while. because I'm passionate about it. I like helping people, you know, reach their goals. But at the same time, I can stay focused on myself as well, too. So, you know, it's been working good so far, and, I'm, you know, I love doing it. Now you got an interesting fight coming up, going all the way to Russia. It's pretty cool to be on the first card they're having out there. What do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, uh, it wasn't my first choice, to be honest, but uh, but uh, after, you know, kind of sitting back and you know, taking a look at it, it'd be pretty cool to, you know, go over there and experience Russia and also, you know, like you said, be on the first card, that uh, the first UFC card to go over there. So I'm very excited about it. I mean, hell, even – even Khabib couldn't even work himself into that card. Think about that one. Right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were interested in being on this card. I talked to Jose Aldo. He wanted to get on the Russia card. He was, like, you know, really psyched, uh, psyched about UFC going to Russia finally. He thought he had a lot of fans out there, so he wanted to get on that card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean Russia is a very, very large pace, and, you know, it, you know, they, you know, you know they, they're into Sambo, which is, you know, kind of a form of MMA. That's, you know... That's kind of like their, you know, their their PE out there, you know, from the time they're kids, a lot of them, you know, grew up kind of doing that. So they really, a lot of fans, you know, you know, uh, over there in Russia that are, you know, just fans of everybody, you know, um, even before getting signed to this guard, a lot of, you know, Russian fans that, you know, add me on Instagram, hit me up and send me messages and stuff like that. And especially now, since I've been slated to be on this card, I've had a lot of them, you know, uh, you know, add me and, and reach out and, and support. So. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure you know a lot of other you know high-profile UFC fighters have have gotten a lot of love from the Russian fans over the years. So I, I can see why they would want to go over there and you know and go over there and perform on the first card. Now, your last your last fight there, there was a bit of 
I don't know, I would say unfairness, really, with the decision came out. Do you think there was maybe a little hometown advantage with uh, um, Duke and Law over there? Did you have in the back of your head a little bit like, I don't know if I want to go over to, you know, another place where I'm going to be like the outcast kind of, and you maybe could possibly go through the same situation. Did that go through your head at all? Yeah, I mean that was you know when they when that was my only reservation I had when they when they called me and asked me to go go compete and go compete in Russia, but uh, I mean I can't look at that. I mean at the end of the day, you know our sport right now, one of the one of the things that we have going on that's that's negative is just judging, and it's not just in other countries or you know guys getting the hometown fame. It's all across the board, whether it's in California, Vegas. It's happening far too often and. Uh, the biggest problem, you know, is just the incompetence of it. You know, there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of judges out there who are not qualified to be MMA judges. Um, you know, they, they either come for boxing or they just don't know MMA just in general. Um, and then on the other side of it, too, there doesn't seem to be any repercussions, you know, because we all know, you know, just off top of head, you know, there's a few names of judges that we know with, you know, when they get ran across, everyone goes, oh, no. And, you know, when you have that type of repetition, you know, we have that type of re- reputation <laughs> as a judge, no, and these people are still allowed to judge big fights. That's that's a problem, you know. And um, you know, so there's a little reservation. You know, when when I when I got the call to go fight in Russia and, and go fight against Murab, he, he's not exactly from Moscow. He's he's Georgian, um, mm-hmm. kind of same thing, Eastern European. There's a little reservation about it, but I can't let that dictate my career in terms of where I go and fight, who I fight. Um, you know, so I'm not looking at it that way. You know, the Duke and Wall fight, you know, I knew going over there, you know, he would get a little bit of favoritism, but I was thinking, you know what, I'm confident in my skills. If I go off over there and I dominate and I finish, you know, there's no way they would be able to give him the, give him the fight. You know, so that was my mindset going in. You know, at the end of the fight, I thought I'd done more than enough. And, um, you know, I got, uh, you know, I got the short end of the stick over there, you know. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, back in the past, I'm not even – uh, I don't even look at that again. Now it's just moving forward and uh, going to go out here and, and put on a show like I always do. Right. How, how far out will you travel to Russia? Like, will you leave, like, a week before or further than that? Going so far, you know, you don't really know what to expect. Yeah, I'm actually going out, like, a, like two days earlier than normal. Um, mm-hmm. They usually send us out, uh, uh, like, five days out. I think I'm going about seven days out. Um, so it'll give me a little bit of time, but um, going to London, I mean, London was an 11-hour flight. This would be like a 12-hour flight, so it's very it's similar, not too much. And uh, I handled the, the time change and the different weather, different climate uh, very well over there in London. So um, I don't see this, I don't foresee, you know, going over there to Russia being a problem. With this, it is not a pay-per-view or anything like that, but, you know, it's the first time the UFC is really the first time they're going to Russia and there's a lot of fans out there, like you said, do they have any like kind of like meet and greets or like any kind of media thing that you're going to be doing out there? I thought they would be like, you know, pump it up a little bit since they're, they don't go yeah. there, you know? I'm pretty sure they would. We haven't gotten, I haven't gotten anything um, yet. They usually, usually, uh, usually about a week out or even towards the week of. Like we were out there in London, that, that car was on five pass as well. And uh, I wasn't expecting to do uh, a media day or anything like that. I wasn't sure. Um, so they've yet to send us the itinerary. I'm pretty sure we're going to get that in a couple of days. Um, but I would think, you know, again, you know, with the with you know the Russian fans being, you know, so you know involved with MMA and they love MMA and it's the first time going over there. 
Um, I would like to think they would. I would think they would still do some kind of interaction with the fans, and um, it'll be pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool out there in London when we did it. Um, so um, I, I, I'm pretty sure they'll have something lined up for us. You know what I was thinking, actually? That the UFC said they were going to be doing, like, a little bit of a press conference with Connor and Khabib, like, in early September. I wonder if they would do it in Russia. Like, that would be pretty interesting, right? It would be the smart thing to do, um, yeah, you know, for a marketing standpoint. But um, I think right now, I think Connor, like, uh, I, I saw something where he's, doing, he's finishing up his training camp in Vegas. Um, and, you know, this is a big fight for them. So I, I would probably think they probably wouldn't want to – take too much time out to travel, do a 12-hour flight to go over there. Um, so they'll probably just do it in Vegas, where it's a little easier for Connor, a little easier for Khabib. You know, it's about a, you know hour flight from San Jose for him to go do it. So they probably do something close, they can get right back to training camp. You know, uh, it's a big fight for the UFC, and I'm, they're banking on, on this being, the, you know, the biggest fight ever. So last thing they want to do is, you know, compromise the fighters in any way. They want to make sure everyone makes weight, everyone stays healthy, and, um, you know, and, and gets to the fight, you know. I mean, it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see what they do as far as that goes. Um, would it be surprised if they, if they did did, did the, the whole circus show with that, especially being the first their first event in Russia to do that there? Wouldn't surprise me, but no. I, yeah, I've already heard crazy stories of other fighters that their time in Russia, so it should be interesting to see how, you know how 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 uh, the event plays out and and, and everything like that. Yeah, I've heard some crazy stories too, but uh, I, I like to think that I was in the past and stuff like that. And well, well I mean, I, I wasn't like like saying like 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 scary crazy stories. Like, um, uh, back when Julie Ketty was still fighting, I was doing another podcast, and we had her on right before she re- she retired from the UFC, and we were asking her of a goofy story, and I, we were about to have Tara Rosa on, and she told us the story that she had this fight, and you know, she like literally like like, wound up fighting, and she wound up soiling herself while during the fight, and then, like, afterwards, she doesn't, there wasn't, like, an actual locker room that they went back to, and she had time, like, they they literally got driven to this, like, this Russian billionaire's house where they were going to have the freaking press conference at, at this guy's house, and, like, oh, still, great. like, sitting, sitting in her, 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 her fight wear that that has been soiled upon for hours at this point in time, oh, no. and I was dying. I'm like, oh my god, that would have uh, that I would have been like, no, no, pull over, take me somewhere. And, no, no, I'm not getting no. <laughs> <laughs> and she literally explains it to the point where literally like she had to like go running in some bathroom, like literally like just basically like like throw these shorts away, like to never be be seen or heard from again, <laughs> and just uh, you know. Uh, I guess was like uh, run, running around and like something that that, that she had like uh, on her for the rest of the evening. I just thought it was just a, a crazy weird situation to be involved in. That you have a fight and then you you don't even get a chance to like wash up, clean up. You you're like driven straight to this 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 mansion. I'm like okay, that's just odd. But I guess again that was you know uh, international MMA you know 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen to you guys. You're you're fighting, in, you know, the the biggest, you know, mixed martial arts promotion in the world. That's not going to happen. But I would. It was still a funny. <laughs> I, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. 
And we wouldn't we would have never known if it were if Tara Rosa didn't send me a message like ask her about this. I'm like, oh my god, okay, Tara, go ask her. <laughs> I was glad I did because I never knew about that story. I don't think I, I don't I, don't, I haven't heard her tell anyone that story either. So I just thought it was Man. kind of funny. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. What what about you, Nikki? Would you be mortified at that point in time if, if you were if you were the person in that shoes? Did we lose her? I don't know. Wait. Yes we did. I didn't even notice we lost her. There we go. She's probably like Steve, you ate. There he is. I'm here. Okay, Nicole. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I got booted off then I had to get back on. Yeah, I didn't notice you dropped and I was about to ask you a question and I'm like, Oh wait. She didn't respond. Yeah, I'm back. I checked up oh, yeah, there she is. <laughs> It's been happening like What's every episode. I, like, I get booted off at least once, but I'm back. So anyway, uh, Terry, what do you think of the bantamweight division right now? Like we last week, we talked to Aljamain Sterling and uh, Jimmy Rivera, and they're they're pretty much in agreement that there's a jam, at, a log jam at the top, and the UFC needs to like start you know feeding people up there instead of having T.J. Dillashaw fight going down and fighting Henry Cejudo or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a weird spot right now because the division is so deep. Um, but you have a lot of guys, um, with the exception, I would say, of Ball and Marais that are kind of like on the outside. Um, and you also have uh, you have uh, a Sunshine kind of floating there as well, too, you know, in line for a title shot. Um, it's, a, it's a weird time right now for the UFC because we're, I feel like, the, you know, the sport, you know, and the UFC and the promotion, it, 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 you know, it's about super fights right now. Um, I think pay-per-views across the board uh, or just viewership across the board in MMA for whatever reason has kind of been down, not just in the UFC, just, just all around. Um, you know, and, you know, when fighters, you know, get on the mic and they want super fights and see all these other guys getting paid, you know, uh, uh, of course they're going to, you know, they're going to jump on it. You know, closed mouth doesn't get fed, so they're, they're jumping on it. But I definitely think, you know, in order to keep, you know, the, the sport going and keep the division going and to keep, you know, other younger up-and-coming fighters coming up, that um, the champion has, has to defend his title. You know, they got to defend his title against other guys. You know, um, you know, as of late, it's been kind of like a TJ, Dominic Cruz, Cardi, Cody Garbrandt show um, where, you know, these guys, you know, are, are, are fighting each other and the belt's kind of changing hands between those three guys where, um, you know, we got to get some, some new blood in there, I think, to, you know, go in there and kind of shake things up. Um, you know, but, you know, even being in the division myself, you know, I wouldn't be mad at seeing, you know, Cerudo fight, fight Dillashaw. Um, but I just don't want it to be one of those things where it kind of keeps going back and forth right there with, like, okay, you know, let them have their super fight. When that happens, you know, get one of the other guys in here. You know, get a Sunsau in there. Get Marlon Marais in there. Um, and let these guys, you know, you know, get in there and compete instead of, you know, kind of locking up the division and, you know, having guys wait too long. Yeah. I mean, even like you said, the, the whole division from top to bottom is stacked with guys that really, you know, could be one or two fights away from get, jumping right up into the top five. Like so far in your your UFC career, they've been feeding you some tough opponents, and you know anyone of you know you could have been you know the last fight. Obviously, we think that you won. Everybody thinks that you won, but like you know if you had won that fight and then you win this fight, you're you're almost basically up into the top fifteen yourself. So it's like you know one or two fights either way. They need to start rotating these people through. It can't just be a carousel of the top three guys quick going round and round and round, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think they will. Like I, like I said, like, I think right now uh, we're kind of in an age where, where super fights are the, are, are the thing. And, uh, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get it while they can. It's understandable. You know, I understand it's a business. Um, and I think they'll come around to, you know, getting back to the regular rotation of getting guys in there. Um, I just hope that, you know, again, the division doesn't get locked up too long. You know, the situation we had with Connor where, you know, he, he had the belt for like two years and he wasn't competing. And um, it locked up the lightweight division. The lightweight division is the most stacked division. And I think right now the bantamweight division is the second most stacked division. So, um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't want to see them, you know, crowd, you know, you know, crowd the division up at the top. You know, for you know, you know, one or two years. So hopefully, you know, they they get all that squared away and, and you know get that out of their system and then go back to you know getting back to having the rankings mean something. Because you know, right about now, you know, it doesn't seem like the rankings mean very much. And um, you know, uh, I feel like it'll 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 hurt the sport and it'll hurt the division if we keep getting you know go too long without uh you know without we're you know respecting the guys that are you know that are competing and on our regular basis and taking tough fights and winning, you know, those guys deserve their shot. So hopefully, you know, we get back to that pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, it's almost gotten to the point now where the rankings mean less than social media following. Like, you know, you really have to, like, be a good talker and you need to have your fans following. And the more you talk, the better fights you get. Has that has that hit you at all? Do you feel that way? Or are you kind of just like, um, I'll do it, I'll do me and just let my fighting speak for itself? Or have you taken into the fact that you need to kind of, like, you know, be a little more outgoing or talk more to get where you want to be? Um, no, I mean, I, I'm never going to change who I, who I am, you know, to try to be somebody I'm not. Um, I think when you do that, it, it comes off fake. Um, I think my personality and the way I am is pretty interesting enough. And I, you know, I, I think I have, you know, a pretty solid fan base. And, um, I think as I, as I perform and, you know, and, and, you know, start getting some wins under my belt, my following will start, you know, being more and more, but, I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be fake. I don't. I don't want to try to, you know, talk like. I let my fight do the speaking for itself. Um, I do find myself, you know, you know, fans want to kind of see what you're up to. I, I know, you know, when I first started getting into the sport and started watching it, um, you know, you know, going on social media and, and seeing what fighters are doing and you know, and their training camps and their videos and stuff like that, you know, it's pretty interesting. So I try to post more, especially around fight time and stuff like that. Post what I'm doing, well, whatever the case may be, you know, after after training photos, you know, you know, photos hitting, hitting the back, hitting, you know, hitting, hitting pads and stuff like that. Um, you know, little clips of sparring here and there. I think the fans appreciate that. And it's a, it's a way for, for, for us to, you know, kind of interact with them and, you know, they want to see that stuff. So um, I think that stuff's important. Um, you know, as far as the, the, the talking and, and, and starting, you know, the, the Twitter beefs and the Instagram beefs and stuff like that, not really into that stuff. Um, I'm not one to, you know, to, to kind of go out and do that. But uh, a guy opens his mouth about me. I'm not one to be quiet either. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to do that. But I, I do feel that um, as fighters, you know, we got to promote ourselves as well. You know, get expected to do it all for us. You know, we have a platform. We got to use it. And um, I, I think that stuff's important as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree that like fans want to see what you're doing leading up to the fight. Like. One of my favorite things, really, when I first got into, like, being interested in UFC and stuff was, like, the road to the octagons and stuff like that, like, the training leading up to it. But then you see, like, some people, like, have you seen Tony Ferguson posting these, like, training videos? He's, like, doing flips and, like, bouncing on stuff. I was like, what? what is that? It's weird. It's weird, but it's, like, interesting to see what everybody, everybody has their own style. It's like, what's he doing? He's what's doing he doing? Part you know? <laughs> I, he was doing something. I don't know. It was, like, circus. 
circus trick. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Tori's my boy, man. He's a cool guy. Uh, you know, uh, you, you talk to him, he's, he's super down to earth. He's, he, he might come off sometimes as, as, as an oddball, but that, you know, it's his thing. He does, he likes to do his thing and it, it works for him. He, he likes, he likes having fun. He plays with it. He likes having fun. He's, he's, he's unorthodox when he's inside of the cage. He's an unorthodox inside of, in his training. But, uh, you, I mean, you talk to him, man, he's, he's really, really smart guy, really, really down to earth. And, um, Really cool guy. He's just that's just his thing. He likes doing his thing. Yeah, it's interesting. But so so your last three fights all went to decision. Uh, I'm thinking this time you're going to try and uh, put an end to that. What's your game plan? Not not your game plan. I don't want to know your game plan. But like, what have you been really working on leading up to this fight? You don't have to give anything away. <laughs> uh, for me, I mean, it's been it's been no secret in my career that you know I've, I've kind of you know geared more towards my the, the striking. Um, the, the grappling has been my, uh, been my, been my weakness, I would say not a weakness. I don't feel like I'm like, um, like I'm terrible at it or something like that. But, um, when facing like guys that are, you know, higher level grapplers and stuff like that, uh, it, it's given me trouble and it's, you know, when guys are able to take me down and stuff like that and kind of saw me out, whereas I want to strike and I want to push the action that takes away from me to be able to do what I want to do. So, uh, for me, I've added a lot of like, you know, just, uh, you know, grappling training partners and coaches and stuff like that that have been working with me, um, you know, throughout, uh, even before the fight. And I felt like in that fight I, I was able to show a little bit of wrestling and stuff like that, show some improvement in that department, and I continue to do that. And I made leaps and bounds in that department. Um, you know, but uh, for me, um, you know, what you see is what you get. What, you know, people see my fights. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to come forward. I'm going to push the action. I'm going to always try to finish. I'm going to throw you know, 100 strikes per round trying to finish you. Um, I'm a high-volume fighter. You know, I'm always going for the knockout. I'm always going for the finish. And, you know, you guys can expect no less, you know, coming, you know, in, in this fight. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been really working really hard in the grappling department, um, working on being able to, you know, stop guys and kind of stall me out, you know, put me up against the cage or take me down. And, and you know, because they don't want to get hit over and over by me. They just don't. They don't want to stand in front of me and get hit. You know, they, they back away or they want to grab me. Um, so I've been really just really focusing on, you know, kind of nullifying that when they when they try to do those things and, um, you know, be able to just get back, keep it on my feet and, and push forward and go for the knockout. Your last fight was in March, right? So do you want to, hopefully, if all goes well with this fight, do you want to try and get in another one before the end of the year or how often do you really like to, to stay in there? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I love to compete as, you know, as much as I can. You know, if I can compete, you know, three – Anywhere from two to five times a year, that'd be ideal for me. So if I can get one in at the end of this year, you know, there's some 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 cool cards coming up in you know in December um, that I would like to get on. So you know, if all goes well, I'm injury free and anything like that. Uh, I would definitely love to get on one of those those uh, end of the year cards. Awesome. Uh, Steve, you want to yeah. jump in? I mean. Hopping on that that card at the end of the year with uh, Chris Cyborg and then Amanda Nunes won't be too bad either. Yeah, I mean that'd be awesome. That'd be great. I'd love to be on there, that New Year's card and you know be out there in Vegas. That'd be really cool. It's uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where, where it, there's there's few cards that that fighters are like flock to. It's uh, International Fight Week's one of them. Regardless if you wind up being the ultimate fighter or, or, or the pay-per-view, whatever one is always a lot of buzz around in that event. Um, the new year's card and the super bowl card are typically the, the three 
the three big ones that 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 the UFC puts on every year, and that's where where everyone typically wants to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I got a chance my first fight um, against Cody Feynman um, on uh, you know a week's notice. I got called to go fight on International Fight Week, and I mean that experience was you know was amazing. I mean, you can't. I mean, there's nothing like it. So uh, I could definitely you know I definitely understand why guys want to you know be on be on that card. So yeah, I mean, I'm getting a chance to be on that New Year's card and experience. You know, something similar to that, or you're a little different. I mean, I know it's going to be it's going to be great. So I would love to be on that as well. Yeah, it's it's one of the things where you know sometimes you guys are, are handcuffed to 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 what they allow you to do. But sometimes if you make the right noise at the right time to the right person, it all works out. I mean, hell, you know, uh, Anthony Smith was begging, pleading, doing everything he could to get on that Lincoln card, and just didn't work out. But winds up with a better fight for his career overall moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you got to be vocal. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, you know, annoying and pushy and stuff like that, you know, and get on, you know, get on the matchmaker's bad side, you know, you know, between, you know, Mick and, and Sean, you know, there's, a, there's, you know, over 500 fighters on the roster. So I'm pretty sure their email and texts are, and calls are constantly being blown up by fighters and managers. So you don't want to be annoying, but at the same time, you know, you don't, you also don't want to get drowned out, you know, when people are asking for stuff, you know, you, you want to ask for something as, as well. And, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes you get what you ask for, sometimes you don't. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, we, we signed up to fight and, uh, we, that, that means, you know, fighting anywhere, you know? So, you know, I mean, if you do what you, you do your job in, in, inside of the cage and you're exciting, um, you're going to, you're going to get put on an exciting card. So, um, you know, that's just, that's just how the game goes. I don't know. We just seen CM Punk at two undeserving pay-per-view slots, both, both of his first two fights out and, you know, mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, regardless of 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 of, of, of it all, you know, you know, he's a name, and that's why they put him there. But I mean, he was sitting there saying, "Oh, well, it was up to me. I, I'd be on fight pass." No, stop lying, man. Come on, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> yeah, he's saying that the same face. Of course, he's gonna say that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know, but it's like we all see that too. Like he has to realize that we know. We know. Like, all right, I'm in this position. I'm not gonna tell them no. I'm not gonna be on the pay per view. No, you're not gonna say no, but you're not gonna stop him either. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just playing the politics game. He's he's gonna he's gonna say the politically correct things, but when we all know that's you know it's, it's bullshit, it's full of shit. But um, and I mean, it's like you said, because he was never. It, it sucks because he never, never, never was accepted by the MMA community, and there's nothing he could have done about that. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I mean, yeah, yeah, there was. If he would have came in the sport the right way, they would have loved him. Right. Yeah, I mean, he had to understand that he was jumping the line. You know, he had to understand. He had to know that there would be some backlash, and. Uh, and, uh, he, nothing I mean, more I mean, than I mean, what he got when he was in WWE, though. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. gonna be nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I have to give him credit, man. You know, because uh, I mean, I don't know what his contract was over at the WWE. I know those guys make a lot of money. And um, at the end of the day, I mean, he left that for whatever reason, and, and he and he stepped inside to, you know, to, to do some real fighting. You know, I mean, it takes balls, you know, um, especially you know having no training or whatever the case may be. So I, I'll give him credit for that, but. I mean, at the same time, he had to know, man, he was jumping the line. There's going to be some people that was going to be upset about it. And um, oh, yeah. you know, by the end of the day, I look at it as, you know, like I said, I mean, we're... we're but we're, people don't realize of, of bring, what bringing in him did elsewhere. 
because of him doing that, it started looking it started looking for a fight, which gotten what a, a, a good ten to fifteen guys contracts, which in turn spawned off the Dana White Contender Series. So here right. we are because of bringing this guy in. Maybe it didn't. He didn't like. He didn't make a plan to do it, but because of them bringing in the guy, they said, "Okay, we have to find ways to bring in younger guys that we can match up this guy with," and that's how they did it. I, I mean, we may not like of him jumping the line or get or being there in the pay per view or whatever, but he had an impact in a positive way on the UFC, whether we whether we want to admit it or like him or not. I still, at the end of the day, I I, I push for it when they sign it, and I will continue to push for it until it happens. That no one, not a whole lot of people know this, but you know when Punk does did uh, those media tours that he would go and do the Comic Con and stuff like that. He, him, and the uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the guy everyone knows, Jason David Frank, who has had mixed martial arts fights in the past. If I remember correctly, he actually fought Alan Belcher when he was an amateur. But <laughs> these two have a beef, and I just felt like if you were going to already have, have have all the negative stuff on it, just just go full blown freak show like you're you're like you've already done in the past. You already had what was it, um, James Tony and and um and Randy Couture. You already had a freak show. Just go 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 all in. Put that 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 thing on Fox Sports One and let the, and have some fun with it, man. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, you know, people are gonna complain, but we still tune in to watch it. Um, and you know, fighters have to understand, man. It's 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 a business, you know. And um, you know, you know, they're not gonna be happy about this guy coming in and jumping in line. But at the same time, he's bringing in a whole new broadcast of fans. And you know, when um, you know, when when one guy is successful, you get a lot of attention. That that just you know that brings attention to everybody else. You know, everybody benefits from it. You know, like the whole, you know, you know, people, you know, like you know Mayweather wanting to get on to get in, get into MMA, you know, or the, uh, the other boxer Javante Davis, you know, wanting to fight Dillashaw. Well, no, uh, we're so actually we're we're November twenty fourth. We're going to see Golden Boy MMA Productions, and we're going to freaking see Tito and freaking Choke. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a business, man. And at, at the end of the day, when things are in demand and people want to see what they want to see. Um, you know, the the business is gonna do what's 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 good for business and you know, it's you know, everyone's not gonna be happy about it, but hey, you have to understand, like I said, you have to you have to see the positive side of that is is other eyes who otherwise wouldn't watch MMA are now gonna be watching and you know, that's gonna bring in more fans to the sport, that's gonna bring in more money to the sport and then everybody gets paid, you know. So you have to look at it that way and um, you know, not to be not to be uh not be too bitter about it. Eh. I think more of the fans were more bitter than the fighters were. For what I, I've gotten to the point, I, I love I love MMA. I love the sport. I, I love the people involved in it. If I could do away with, with, with some of the idiot crap bag of fans that I've seen out there, I, I, I would be a happy camper all the way around. Some of the stuff that that you fighters have to deal with on on regardless if these guys are fake troll accounts or or, or, or just just some some whacked out weirdo that just has no clue about what actually goes on in the sport, just saying the, the most ridiculous things in the world. Sometimes social media is an absolute curse, my friend, but, you know, God bless you guys for, for dealing with that and, and d- doing it doing it the way you guys do. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> man, we should be thanking you because, you know, at the end of the day, you guys get, give give us one, you know, us, you know, us us media members something to talk about, write about, it, you know, whatever 
whatever it may be. But you entertain us at the end of the day, and that's that, that's something I think people kind of forget at, at the end of the day. Yes, you know, you guys are, are paid to, to, to go in there to fight, in your case, win, but at the end of the day, it's for our entertainment. It, you know, it, it may not seem like that way to, to you guys at times, but it is uh, uh, the overall scheme for our entertainment. So thank you. You know, regard, like I, I say to all you guys, people don't really give MMA fighters the, 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 the respect they deserve. The, the sacrifice, you know, the, the men and the women in this sport put in, not just the, the fighters, but the, the, the things you guys sacrifice on a daily basis that, that the every, everyday Tom, Dick, and Jane don't have no clue about. So keep doing what, you, what, what you're doing, my friend Tehran. You know, you know best, best of skill to you in, in this upcoming matchup uh, uh, over here, uh, you know, the inaugural uh, fight night here in Russia. Um, Nikki, anything you, you want to add before we uh, wrap it up? No, I mean, I think we covered everything. I just want to say thanks so much for coming on here with us. Best of luck, what you said, in Russia. And I'll be looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to this whole card in general, you know, the first time out there. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, before we wrap it up, we kind of, uh, you know, what we typically do is throw the proverbial microphone over to you, anyone you want to thank, training partners, teammates, shoot out your social media sites, any charities you work with. Websites, any sponsors you may have, anything like that. The, the time is yours, my friend. Yeah, that's why I thank everybody at, uh, at my, my, my team, uh, Fight Science MMA, uh, A4 Boxing, as well as Blackhawks MMA. Uh, all my training partners there, man, have really, really been helpful in this training camp. Uh, my sponsors, Quest Nutrition, uh, Reebok, uh, and uh, my social media. I'm on Instagram, at Clash MMA UFC. Uh, on Twitter, it's also a flash MMA, uh, and just you know, thank all the fans and you know, for the support. And um, yeah, tune in September 15th, um, um, first UFC card in um, in Russia. Um, in Moscow, I'm gonna put on a show like always. And um, and thank you guys just once again for having me. Uh, and, uh, really appreciate you know being able to come on here and you know kind of share who I am and you know it, it helps us as fighters you know get our name out there a little bit more as well too. And um, so we really appreciate it as well too. Thank you. Uh, dude, it, it's always our pleasure to give you guys a platform to do that. So, you know, again, you know, best skill to you, Tehran, and, uh, you know, uh, do your thing. Hopefully you get your hand raised, get 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 that get that L stink off you, and, uh, and go on a nice little run here, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Good night. Good night. All right, everyone. That was Tehran, last word. He's going to be uh, – you know, one of these guys going out there to 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 uh, to Russia for for the first UFC event there, going to be fun. Should be a, a fun matchup. I haven't got a chance to bust your stones about it. What what is it? You have a, this affinity love for for bantamweights. It's like there's nothing but bantamweights out of you lately. <laughs> <laughs> you have some stuff mean... you haven't told me about. <laughs> It's just the way the, the cards have been falling, man. I've been I've been putting feelers out there with all, all the weight classes. <laughs> the band and weights love me, I guess. <laughs> right, man. Uh, at least, uh, at least uh, you know, you, you know, you can control them a little bit. I don't know if the band and weights are quite on your level yet, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, let me stop playing and messing with Nicole here. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> thanks for everyone for, for, for tonight. Um, you know, uh, Lee Daly, first and foremost, for stepping up on, on last minute. 
Sorry for everyone who was expecting Andy tonight. You know, uh, she, she got her times crossed up. So she, she's flying out to to the fight uh, to for, for for out there in Japan for for Ryzen. You know, wish her uh, the best skill. Hopefully, we'll get it rescheduled here. You know, if we have to do a special episode sometime before the fight, I'll do it. You know me. If we if yeah, we sure. you know if we we'll, if not, we'll we'll see if we can book her the the, the following Wednesday depending on what her travel's like on the way back. But, you know, we're, we're already pretty much good, uh, pretty well off for next week as well. We're going to have one of the coaches from, from the, the inaugural uh, pro MMA league event and one of our victors from, from the uh, Gagey and Vic fight night. So once we can find out some more, we'll get the link out, let you guys know. Again, guys, make sure you're, Keeping in tune with both me and Nikki's social media accounts, we will be announcing the exact everything for the ticket giveaway for MMA Pro League. I've already had uh, at least four or five people reach out to me, asking me what's what with that. Just relax. We will get it out to you. I already told you guys the, the initial step is make sure you guys are following all of their, their social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Once you get that done, we will announce what we're going to actually do. I think a, I think a 45-second little video telling us why we should give you the tickets would be cool, however you want to do it. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. Pretty fun. You know, it gives everyone a chance to have a, a unique thing about it, and it will give people who may not be able to evolve to, you know, retweet it, help them get their word out there. Maybe we do, you know, We'll, we'll see who gets more impressions. I don't, I don't know how we're going to do it, but want to do something unique where, the, you know, the not only us but other people can say, hey, you know, that's somebody I, I want to see win these tickets, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see. But either way, again, you know, we're, we're going to be announcing it within the next two days or so of what's what. But, I mean, other than that, um, you know, big thanks to uh, to again Lee, Lee Daly. Uh, 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 he is the author of the new book, uh, "Before a Fall: History of Pride FC." Make sure you guys are checking that at, that out. As again, that is a Indiegogo thing. So you know, these guys need to make sure that that uh, you know they get at least some of that that money that they put out of their own pockets for for these projects for for our desire. So see what you can do with that. Um, Big thanks to uh, Sean Nally for his time, and, and obviously, as we just had Tehran Ware on, him as well. Best of skill to both Sean and Tehran in their upcoming fights. Other than that, uh, I think that does it for this week, right, Nicole? Uh, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> we always try to keep keep it fun. I think it was a, a you know some good conversations, some, some fun stuff to talk about with uh, with uh, Lee, Sean, and Tehran. You know, obviously, I was having a little bit of a little bit of fun with Sean there at the end. Hopefully, uh, hopefully your 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 Jets is able to stick it to him at least once this year. I think you guys can pull yeah. off that. Uh, I'm not holding down your team, man. I'm not. A, <laughs> y'all defense is nice. You sleeping on your own yeah. defense. The only thing y'all don't have is uh, is that 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 high, that high caliper uh, pass rusher. So. Don't put your team down. I, I already said, you know, both you and Buffalo are sleepers in that division, and I don't think anyone really realizes that. 
I've just been disappointed so much. <laughs> I, I still think the fact that, that you just t- traded t- Teddy Bridgewater actually just tells you what, what your team actually thinks about that quarterback you guys just got. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, think when, when, I think when it all com- comes down to it, the New York Giants is going to be punching themselves in the head for the next 15 years because they went and got Saquon Barkley, not not that quarterback that, that, that you got wearing green right now. So, We'll see how the season plays out. You know, we got what? Uh, what are we? Eight days away before before the season kicks off. So it sh- it should be fun. You know, obviously we're, we're gonna be we talk a little bit of everything on Kate's side submission. Got got to got to throw Nicole's uh, Nicole's Jets some love because I'm damn not, damn sure not throwing them to the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> other than that, uh, again, guys, you know, uh, make sure you guys are following us on. on on all, all platforms of, of social media, uh, Twitter, you know, Twitter, you know, CSS radio, make sure you're giving, uh, Nikki, uh, a follow there at, at N I K B O S. Make sure you're also heading over to Facebook, making sure you're, you're giving her, uh, her writer page some love that that's, uh, Nikki boss, MMA, Instagram. Yeah. You don't get that one out. Never mind. <laughs> that's only me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, you know, again, if you guys miss the live shows, iTunes, Stitcher, be available tomorrow morning. Other than that, we will be back next Wednesday and have another fun show lined up for you. We'll we'll see what what, what plays out this weekend with uh, Invicta Pro Fight League and uh, whoever else has got stuff going on. I'm, I'm throwing a brain fart right here, but. This was episode 240, and another uh, fun episode of Kate's Thoughts and Missions in the books. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Good night, everybody. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Kate's Thoughts and Missions with Steve Reichel and Rachel Blaze. I call to all You know it's like it rockets And I bust it through the door Break it through the ceiling And I open up the floor Make you split your head When you bang against the wall Blaze and full fury From a sight unseen Flipping on the podcast It's your time three Throwing up a chunk For a pretty frenzy It's a fucking festival Waters of this every seat Time to lay the smack down Lay it on your back now Focus on that moment When you bash it It's around town Competition tries to stay up For the last round But we still have finished And we soaking up The live crowd Turn it up loud, and make us all proud Anyone who brought up, yeah, we leave them all up in the ground Down low, cause it's hanging all up in the cloud Can't try some bitches, gonna hit you like Blow, loud, loud, loud So listen up, for the next two hours That's MMA, way more than power Now can be seen, turn up the volume You lacking this, I don't like game, and I just solve your problems Can't try some bitches, and what you all been missing All the latest news and interviews, come and give a listen Steven breaks her high and low to give you something different Get up on the fence and change it up your disposition UFC and Bellator against the fix of fight You're not in the conversation, get your game tight Just make sure with the line is green you don't get paid right Every Thursday night from 8 to 10, repair up on your flight When you call the sub, oh. we'll be knocking you down Facing the sound, with the ground to pound With the start on the head, with the kick in the crowd When the calls are unbound, it's your voice is profound And we aim to a sound, it's world bridge now Go, go, Steven Rachel Go, go, Steven Rachel! Go, go, Steven Rachel! Welcome in!
Stop it.